Hello and welcome to the Coast Football Ramble Podcast. This week we discuss yet another loss. We try and stay corona-free, Sean joins us for a chat, and we answer your questions. I'm Pete and I'm joined by Luke, Josh and Morrow. Lads, lads, lads. Good evening. Evening from a different world it feels like. I know, hello Reno. A different world. Mm. Scary times, sort of apocalyptic in, in nature, somewhat. Mm. Face masks at the ready. Oh. No Sanitizer everywhere. In 2050, we're going to be telling our children when people fought each other at the shops for toilet paper. Mm. Going to go fun. steal some bog roll from the centre of excellence. <laughs> but Josh, but Josh, we can't, we can't, we can't let them know that. We can't keep that on the phone. We're going to have to cut that out. <laughs> Josh, oh, Josh just put on um, Peter's face mask after Peter did. <laughs> Yeah, as you'll as everyone. If I'm knows, coughing I'm tomorrow, <laughs> I know what's happened. I'm just getting that out. COVID there. positive. <laughs> Sorry. Let's do it. Fred's question. With the Phoenix and the victory in isolation for the next fourteen days and unable to play their scheduled games, could this be a reason to expand teams in the sense that, you know, each team has, you know, I guess a reserve team. So for instance, if a first team goes into isolation, there's a second squad to fill in uh, to limit any sort of disruption. That's a squirrely one. I don't know. I don't know how to answer that. This is just weird. Yeah. I'm confused. (laughs) It makes me feel like, you know, inflatable teams. (laughs) (laughs) Fred, ask ask, ask simple questions, Fred. God damn it. I guess, you know, you see it obviously in the, 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 I guess, bigger leagues, you know, the Premier League and Bundesliga and everything like that. Liverpool, for example, where they had big fixture clashes earlier this season where they had to go and play the Club World Cup and they sent out their second string team to play in the FA Cup and and things like that. The the third, that was pretty much their third squad. You see. Exactly, you see a lot of other Premier League sides playing their reserves, in inverted commas, in in the League Cup um, or in fixtures that they don't place as much importance on. Personally, I'm I'm, I'm not sure maybe if if the A-League's just ready for that yet. Obviously, being a salary-capped league, we're we're capped at, what, 23 players or 25 players, whatever it is these days. I think it's probably running before we're even able to walk in this league in that sense. It's yeah. pretty easy to have, um, what, 35-man squads or whatever they have in Europe when you've got a yeah. you know, unlimited money. unlimited money. But with the A-League, it's totally different. So if that was, you know, it's definitely something to think about in the future. But for now, I don't think it's going to happen for a while. Yeah, we 100% should do it, uh, but not... In case of a virus, <laughs> we should, yeah. Yeah, let's, let's just keep let's just keep like twenty players on yeah. standby just in case there's a global epidemic that yeah. shuts everything. Down. Everyone no, wash their damn hands, would you? All right. No, we we definitely should do it, but there's there's a number of things that need to. I mean, we essentially have it at the moment with the NPL, but it doesn't work because it's not lined up to the A League season, so it's basically null and void mm. and the youth league is a waste of time that's a bit of a fuss um, so they would need to either move the a league to winter which i'm all for i don't care what anyone says yeah. um or they would ne- need to move the mpl out of winter into summer mm. and line up all the leagues so we essentially do have a reserve squad playing in the mpl that we can pick from and then players coming back from injury can get more minutes etc um, instead of mm. wasting away on the bench Yep, ease themselves into it in a, rever- in a reserves fixture, so to speak. Mm. Morrow? We've got, like, massive things going on in the game at the moment. And, uh, yes, we do probably need to expand squads eventually, but not yet. We can't even afford the one we've got. <laughs> <laughs> Did I just say that? <laughs> oh, dear. So, eventually, not just yet, we'll get around to it one day, hopefully. Just like we're going to get around to our game from the weekend. Friday night kickoff, we went up to Brisbane. 
Went down to 1-0 to a stubborn raw outfit. Uh, Scott McDonald scoring just on the stroke of half-time. Originally ruled offside. Uh, fuck you, VAR, is all I have to say on that one, even though it was probably the correct decision. To be fair, it was onside. Uh, Damn no, it, making the onside. right call. Why, why can't we just get one go our way? Well, everybody was... Kung Fu fighting. Yeah, they were. Uh, <laughs> everybody was, but fast as lightning. Everybody was complaining about the initial offside, and he was offside, but then not on the pass that come back across. So the initial play, he was offside when the ball was put through. The the player who cut the ball back to him. No. Oh, the other one, the one that scored. McDonald. Who scored the goal? I can't remember. McDonald's McDonald. McDonald. Yeah. McDonald was offside when the initial ball went through out wide. Oh, uh, but he wasn't interfering with play. Exactly. Yeah. And everybody was going on about that. Mm. And but when the ball went back across to McDonald, I thought he was pretty clearly on all level. He was on. I thought everyone yeah. was looking at the wide player who cut the ball back to him. I'm not sure who yeah, it was. No, I, Inman. I thought I thought that Inman. was fine. Okay. Yeah. yeah, Inman was just on. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't I mean, yes, of course it's frustrating and it was weird how it all came about when flag was raised wasn't it yes it was and then they went and looked at it and Turned it over. I, I don't like all that but i think it was the correct decision in the end i think we have to go back in time to the three on two counter attack that we had about the 30th minute De Silva had all the space and time to create something me personally i think that he should have slipped in muzz who had a good angle to shoot but he decided to go himself uh, and it didn't result in a goal, which it probably should have. What do we think of that situation? Yeah, agreed. He, he probably sums know. up his whole season, doesn't it? Yeah, he kind of took the selfish option. I can't exactly blame him. In hindsight, 100%, Muzz was probably the smarter option to slip through there. And I was sitting there screaming at the TV Me for too. him to do that. But, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to absolutely smash him for, for taking the shot on because, you know, in weeks gone by, we've... We've slammed players for not taking shots on. So <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good point. Yeah. Isn't he just maybe pushing himself a little bit hard, and in that moment, he's I think he's trying to too much. tried yeah. to take too that's much so, on. Yeah, yeah. So, so, and he's so. got, sort of gone for the fancy option with the outside of the boot shot as well. Mm. It was probably all he had left once he'd positioned the ball yeah, the way much. he had. Mm. I think so, and uh, it wasn't a terrible option. If that goes in the net, then we all think he's a legend. But yes. Yeah, so oh yeah, he wins Mariners medal straight up, and mm. yeah, everything. Well, <laughs> yeah, champagne yeah. falls from the heavens and. Confetti <laughs> that was nailed on anyway. No, <laughs> it was a it was a weird. Harold had a chance game, as well. Yeah. It, was, uh, it was one of the yeah, first games in a, in quite a while that I can remember that I haven't been absolutely apoplectic after losing. Mm, I think uh, yeah, I don't know if it's a mixture of the apathy or a mixture of oh well we potentially no, maybe I, I deserved came, a point. I came away from it yeah, no, feeling we were decent. We were okay, decent. Yeah, I came yeah. away from it feeling strangely positive. In the first half, we had the better yeah. of the opportunities first until they five. scored. That's how it looked to me. There were times in the first yeah. half where I thought we were playing some decent stuff. I'm thinking, yeah. where's this yeah. been? But then, same old, same old bloody story. No one could finish the damn chances and then we conceded right on half-time, which is always the worst time to concede, a minute out from the break, and that's where our momentum sort of gone, went. And then in the second half, we just didn't really look likely 
in the slightest. Late when yeah. Silvera came on, he had a couple of nice touches that made things look like we might have a little bit in us. And Hollywood himself. So arguably we did, you know, something that was positive in the game plan to change things um, when they weren't working out in the second half. But I don't know, maybe a little bit late. And I don't know, maybe it was just that, um, uh, you know, Silvera had a couple of good touches. We didn't really make anything close out of it. Mm. It was the first game in quite a while that I haven't absolutely hated myself after sitting through. So yeah. that's something, I guess. Mind, <laughs> Small <laughs> steps. <laughs> yeah, little victories, hey lads, little victories. In this, uh, in this weird and crazy world, we need to look for any positives. There's nil-nil in the second half, boys. That's right. Well, one of the other positives <laughs> out of it was Ruan Tongyuk, I thought. Yeah, big yeah. time. Agreed. He got my votes for man off. We, I mean... Not him and Ziggy yeah, as a combination. Not overly trying to pump ourselves up, but we did speak about him at length last week <laughs> yeah, about, we? about we? why he did not play. Stage um, listens to pod confirmed. That's right. Stage does listen. <laughs> Hello, Alan. Um, and I thought and he was. Like, does. I thought he was really good. Yeah, really good. Oh, very good. Yep. Um, um, you know, not perfect, but better than what we've been producing uh, in that centre back pairing for a while. I thought it was. It was. Yeah, I think the the most well round we've looked probably defensively. For a while, he has to keep that back four. He has to. Yeah, has to. I mean, I'm sorry, but I'm just not impressed with roles at all in the last month and a half. Mm. Um, I started like, the season well, but yeah, dropped off there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like the centre back pairing of Ziggy and Tongyuk. Yep. Agreed. Um, and you know, Lewis Miller again, I thought was on and off. Um, he thought I thought started the season on fire, or you know, when he came into his position initially, um, was sort of on and off, but did. Just enough, I guess, to get by. There's mm. times where he tries to beat his man when that's just not on. He just, and then other times he can get it yeah, and he's, do all right with he's, it. Yeah. I think he's 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 got the skill because we've seen it. Mm. But I think for Lewis at the moment, some of his decisions are yep. just wrong. And that comes with inexperience, the inexperience of youth. Yeah, it's it's got to be particularly hard on some of these young players who are going through what's going to be one of the most, I guess, trying periods of their career. Because they're not going to be used to losing so many games on the bounce. Mm. You know, their confidence is going to be taking a knock if not already shattered. And it's going to be telling how many of them or how they can pick themselves up and, and bounce back and, and go again week after week. So, you know, fair play to players like Lewis Miller who, who keep doing that. Um, as you say, he's been a little bit hot and cold, but I think hopefully with a bit more positive experience behind him, he'll... Um, Deliver more consistently good performances. Yeah, I, I think I think this week, you know, I think we've been probably pretty critical of um, Stadge for his lineups and formations and everything like that, which you know I think probably rightly so, justified. Yeah. Um, but I think this week he almost got it, almost got it right. Yeah. The only thing I'm not sold on is the Chris Harold playing so high up. In the middle with us. I was those. just about to touch on that. I was so, going to say, it's, it's I, I'm all for Chris Harold. I think it's a very good signing. When he, he once he gets a few more games under his belt, after not playing for like almost two full seasons, what mm. it feels like, I, I think he's a very handy signing and a pretty good player. And I do hope we keep him. But I mm-hmm. don't think he's suited for the role he's been in when yep. we start with two up top. Mm. It doesn't work. Mm. Is that not. the eleven that we should stick with? <laughs> For the rest of the season, or I think a few fans have been asking about Kowal, which I'm sure we'll talk about with the academy result later mm. on. Do you think Kowal could possibly get more minutes? He debuted against Western United, remember? Yeah, but you're not going to just throw him straight in for 90 minutes just yeah. to 
obviously yeah. is still super, super green. Um, and people, you know... You, he's still you see, too green. I mean, yeah. people will see the result on the weekend from youth and go, oh, shit, we should definitely play. But no. It's MPL2. Throw him to the Wolves. The step up. The step up. No, don't let him go to the Wolves. We want to hold on to him. He's not going to Wollongong. Not even the metaphoric Wolves. They bite too. Yeah, and and we talk about, you know, throw the kids out there. Is that what Stad should do? But... Aren't we already doing that? Well, yeah. In a big way, yeah. You look at, and, and Sean touches on it um, a bit later in the podcast, you know, players like Nizzy and Stans and Lewis Miller and, and Kual, as you say, Josh has already made his debut this season. Stadge is giving youth a chance mm. in a big way. Our oldest player on the weekend was 32 years old and our youngest was 19. Yeah. So we don't really need more youth, you know. Be interested to know what the average age was in the lineup this uh, on the weekend just gone and 26. 26 I think it would be about 25 26 26 which for the A League is pretty young because there's a lot of A League teams Sydney and Perth that are usually over the 30 mark mm. with experience besides starting 11s yeah so Wanderers and Perth I think uh, you'll find their average age is over 30 so yep. there you go fair play to um, to Stadge for giving the youth a chance anything else you guys wanted to touch on about our game I, I, I don't think so, but it's probably it's it. probably the the least frustrated I've been for a while. But at the at the end of the day, we're now on a nine match skid, so it doesn't get any the, better. The record, what was it? The the New Zealand Knights record is in jeopardy. What was it? Ten or 11? eleven? So we're two away from that, and that's a record that nobody ever wants. Mm. Yeah, so to get something out of any game is vital. Yeah, things don't get any better, and we're now seven points adrift at the bottom. So, so Morrow's just got to go. Levis has got to go play in his uh, five-a-side quarter-final, I think. Do you want my mask? Good, Ebening. Good luck, mate. Go no, 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 but if anyone touches me, it's going to be like, ref, ref. All right. Don't get COVID, mate. Stay away from those row-rows. Uh, as we farewell Morrow, we move on to some other Central Coast Mariners things. So, obviously, the rest of our games for the season will be behind closed doors. Guys, do we think this has potentially saved the club some embarrassment? In some ways, mm. I think Sean touched it later on. Definitely, yeah, Sean touched passing. what? Come on, mate! This what? is a PG podcast. <laughs> um, yes, is the Sean answer? Uh, I think uh, you'll probably hear it later. I think Sean says we were on track for our lowest crowd ever, or in line with the Wellington game uh, last season that yep. was also really low. So, I mean, yes, yes, because I mean there was only one trajectory. Uh, our crowds were going in based mm. off recent results and that was down and um, I think what was announced last time 4,000 oh, 3,773 3, 3, I think 3, yeah and there was absolutely not that many people there no, no, <laughs> I don't get what yeah. anyone says I think they were counting uh, counting everyone and twice toes. yeah so, <laughs> counting everyone twice uh, I don't know you know I don't know what they obviously would have announced but well they didn't they didn't actually announce that crowd in the ground did they we only found that it was out after on the website so, yeah mm. so um Yes, of course it's going to save us some embarrassment. And I mean, if we, I don't know, it's a, it's, a, it's a weird way to look at it, but if we look at it from a purely selfish point of view, from a fan point of view, trying to, I don't know, trying to make things happen, trying to put pressure on certain people, um, this has all come at a very bad time, but obviously there's more important things in the world probably to worry about at the moment. Yeah. Um, uh, but yes, it's probably, I don't uh, I don't want to go as far to say it's given us an excuse for the rest of the season, but um, it's definitely thrown that hat into the ring, probably. What do we think of the league still going ahead, even behind closed doors, whereas in Europe, most of the top leagues 
have been postponed. Oh, it's a huge opportunity for the league, isn't it? Because yeah. we're the only, or one of the only professional leagues still going. I think there's what mm. there's the Turkish league. I think is one of the only European leagues still going. I think last Australia. I checked, the Mexican league was still going Mexican. as well, but I'm not sure. I think a few South American leagues are still going. Mexico's suspended, I think now. As yeah, well. right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's one of Australian. The A League is probably one of only maybe four or five leagues that are still being played around the world. Mm. Yeah, look, I'm I'm not I'm not as I'm not as mad as certain other people are about it. Yep. Um, but all it will take is one player, one, one player, player one staff member, all over Red Rover. Some bloke working in the stadium that does the grass or whatever. It's only going to take one, and then it's gone. And then every plan, every contingency put in place for now until the end of the season goes out the window. So they've, you know, you'll hear the chat with Sean later. There's been conference call after conference call, so they've obviously discussed it at length. Yeah. Um, so look, I'm relatively okay with the season still going ahead, but they just need to be bloody careful. At least I still, well, we all still get some sort of football fix um, because it's hard know, at the moment, isn't it? There's oh, nothing on. Wait, tune, tune into like, why am I still paying up to sport? I know what's going on. I want a refund. I want, you know, we were all looking forward to the old firm that was supposed to be on Sunday That's, night, uh, I think, and then they canned it what, Friday night. What about how that MPL online streaming service was supposed to launch this weekend? Yeah, so yeah, obviously, yeah. Uh, football New South Wales this afternoon, or hopefully by the time this podcast goes live anyway they've announced um that's all npl competition across new south wales football south australia have already done it as well um that's all suspended um until i think the 14th of april um so yeah it's going to be lonely times no academy no central coast united Mm. um we might watch the mariners we've got a way potentially uh which i don't want to say because i don't want want anyone else to turn up (laughs) Um, We're all going to Brennan Voswick's house. Yes. <laughs> Level 14, apartment 3, Gosford. Donison Street. Uh, Donison Street, yes. <laughs> looks I know where he lives. Balcony that looks straight into the ground. Um, uh, yeah, there's, there's... You can see the Eastern Stand. Absolutely nothing going at the moment. So this podcast is like the most important thing in my life. <laughs> 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 Otherwise, I'll be bored. Um, speaking of Academy, uh, boys got up 3-2 on the weekend over Hakoa, um, who were relegated from MPL 1 last season. So they were quite a stern test uh, for our guys. Alo Kuol with a hat-trick, two goals from the penalty spot, and the other one set up by Matt Hatch. Guys, great game to watch. It was pretty good. Yeah. Um, Definitely a good test against a side that was in MPL 2 for a while and obviously went up, mm-hmm. struggled in MPL 1, then obviously come back down. Um, you know, we've, we're the last, I'm trying to even think off the top of my head how many years it's been, four years, four seasons, five seasons, we've been stuck sort of mid-table-ish MPL 2. So um, it was a good result in the end. I mean, we sort of had to... Had to do a little bit of – had to get stuck in a little bit. They were, yeah, there was uh, a bit of grinding. They yep. were a pretty sort of nitty-gritty uh, <laughs> nitty gritty side. Uh, there was a few tasty challenges out there. It got a spicy. few points, got a yeah. bit spicy, mm. which is always good fun. Uh, at a very wet plume uh, mm. on the front field as well, so not, not on the main field, which mm. I'm hoping that's not the case for the rest of the season. Um, but, yeah, full credit to Luke Well, had to step up. Take two penalties, had to score the winning penalty. Hmm. Good pen um, too. Very good pen. Took it very confidently. Very good. And uh, the we found out after the game the Hakua goalkeeper was Anthony, Anthony, Anthony Bazanis. Yeah, that's right. So yeah. Obviously ex A League ish. Yep. Um, 
and we had a good chat to him while he was in goals. Yeah, good. Yeah, he seems like a nice guy, actually, to be fair to him. Um, yeah. No. Yeah. And, yeah, and yeah, I mean, Hacker was goals. One of them uh, was a mistake from Adam Pearce, um, shot from outside the box that bounced in front of him. It was wet, but still probably should have handled it. Uh, sort of misjudged it, tried to make up for it and ended up cleaning up the Hacker player. Mm. Um, I can't remember their other goal off the top of my head. I've lost it. From a set piece. Um, oh, yeah, there's a bit of a set piece scramble-ish, yep. wasn't it? Yeah, I remember now, yep. yeah. and sort um, of ball in no man's land sort of between the penalty spot and Pierce. Yep. Um, tough one to, to come out and collect if you're a keeper. you really got to make your mind up there. Um, one of the Hakoa <laughs> players nipped in and uh, and turned it in. So, mm. to be fair to him, it was a good ball, fan, um, fantastic ball into the box and a, a well-taken finish. So, yeah, look, the standouts, obviously, Dan Hall, I thought, had an exceptional game at centre-back. Um, Hatch bombing down the left looked very good as well. His assist for the for the second goal was quality. Well worked, really well quality. worked. So, and a, 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 I mean, I don't want to overstate it, but it's probably some work out wide that we have not seen in the A League team all season. I was just about to say, do we think they're future A League players? Probably hard to tell at the moment, but that assist I haven't seen a. Jack Clisby do all mm. season. Mm. Uh, maybe Lewis Miller once or twice. Mm. And that's and going down that left hand side is where we struggle to get quality balls in, in the A League team. Mm. And you know, Hatch is still obviously like he's still a bit like a Kowal, still very green. Still very yeah. But if he can pull that off eighty percent of the time, that's probably better than what we're doing at the moment in the A League. I, I side. would I would love to see him get a shot at some point. Um, he's we got know, some damn speed on him too Yeah, he's pacey, isn't he? Um, we know Stadge has looked at him But yeah, there's there's him, Dan Hall, as I mentioned And, and Allo, I would love to see get minutes before the season's out So mm. um, we may get a chance to see that Obviously with the season being condensed um, As Sean bought us an exclusive earlier um, Or later in the pod, as you guys will hear rather <laughs> The magic of editing The magic of, yes Yeah, we'll see how that goes Yeah <laughs> uh, <laughs> And uh, other NPL things, Central Coast United uh, held to a one-all draw away at Dunbar Rovers. Um, Dan McFarlane opened the scoring from the penalty spot there, but United unable to hold on, unfortunately. Dunbar pulling one back, and that's uh, two points from their first two games in NPL 3. It's another good result for United. Dunbar have been in NPL 2 for five seasons now or something, and they've been there. Oh, sorry, not NPL 2, NPL 3. NPL 3, yeah. Um, so they're, you know, established... MPL3 outfit and um, obviously CSU trying to make their way now in MPL and two good results to start the season, I think. Yep. Yeah, signs are positive there. Good um, to see the stream back too, Les. Cheers, Les. Yeah, yeah. Well, Les, Les obviously working closely with Football New South Wales to get that one up and running. Mm. Um, so it was it was great to um, great to, great to see that. I had to watch it after the fact. Obviously, I had um, a game down at North Taramara that I was covering, but um, yeah, Les did really well actually. So mm. shout out to Les if you're listening. It's a shame to see what's happened at uh, Plume Park with no streams this season. We'll see. Very unfortunate. Yeah, we'll see how that plays out. It's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out. Mm. Let's, uh, interesting. Yeah, let's mm. leave it there, he says, <laughs> with a smile on his face. Every day I know that it's you I need To take the blues away It must be love, love, love It must be love, love, love So joining us this week, uh, we have Mariners CEO Sean Millicamp. Sean, how are you? Yeah, I've got to admit, I'm uh, tired. I, the head is spinning and, um, you know, I normally like to sound 
quite positive and enthused, but um, but it is a very unique time in the world, and um, and of course a very unique time for the Mariners. So it is um, it is really testing and stretching, yeah, every every aspect of the club. Yeah, of course, pretty unprecedented times, as as you say. Tell us a bit about how the the club's sort of managing things at the moment, with obviously the coronavirus sort of sweeping the nation, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I think um, if anything, just uh, just before I came in here, I thought it's probably just for myself to just take a moment and, and recap on you know, the last you know six days or so, and because um, it's quite, I haven't I haven't had a chance to really reflect on uh, on a lot of the things that happened. So um, for us, we realised something very unique was up. Uh, it, it, let's just put in context. So, of course, the club's on the back foot at the moment and there's a lot of, you know, discussion and debate about, you know, the future of the club and the ownership of the club and all that. So, already feeling massively under the pump and already feeling, you know, um, like it, it is a very dire situation that we're getting into. And, I, and I'm happy to talk uh, into that later. I know that it was a really good pod uh, here last week. Um, yeah, that was there and there's been sort of plenty of talk around that. And, and I'm happy, to, again, to talk about it. So, so that was sort of setting the tone for me about... Where where the head was at, and then all of a sudden, on Wednesday, uh, there's signs all throughout the COE that it's a um, that uh, COVID-19 testing has started uh, at the Mariners Medical Centre down on the ground floor, and we are the uh, the central location for testing on the Central Coast. And so, with no notification in the building, no prior warning or, or anything like that that had happened, um, panic, as you can imagine, set in pretty quickly uh, throughout things. And um, and at the time, I was I was in Sydney meeting with the FFA, um, and also had massive meetings with the council in regards to the stadium. So, Wednesday as itself was just a really big day for the club, uh, as it was. And then and then this uh, curveball came in, which was really unexpected. So. So we didn't know a lot about it, and of course there was a, a fair bit of panic and um, and needing to try to get a grasp of what this looks like. The um, the reality is is that pretty quickly we started to see um, lots of people with face masks on site, lots of people with yeah you know, sort of full hazmat type sort of gear um, yeah on site and doing testing. So um, so of course you know everyone goes holy shit, what is going on? At the time there was not a single positive tests on the coast so I needed to just remind everybody of that that there was no coronavirus on the coast at that time and um, and as we found out that uh, Douglas Henley Moyer uh, down on uh, on the ground level with the outward facing door was the entry point so it wasn't actually in the foyer and uh, that's that's where it came so that's um, that's in the same car park where our players park and um, and you know there was the possibility that a player could park next to the car of someone who gets out of the car and goes and gets themselves tested. Um, so, and if that was to happen, the whole league comes down. So, so it's um, so it's quite daunting at the time, um, you know. And that was sort of uh, so we quickly looked at you know what procedures we can put in place, um, you know. And uh, fortunately enough for us, the players were then quickly uh, on Thursday uh, off on a plane and travelling up to Brisbane. So it gave a bit of time uh, immediately away. Um, as we could just have a look at uh, what what um, steps need to be put in. So, so then on uh, on on Thursday, you started to see that the NBA had pulled the pin, and things around the world are starting to get you know really crazy as uh, as sport all around the world starts to shut down, and this starts to really uh, get uh, get pretty crazy and out of control. So, everyone's sort of you know trying to get their head around what what impact this has for sport. You, you've mentioned there obviously you know sport around the world starting to shut down as a result of this sort of epidemic the FFA's decided to push on with things obviously behind closed doors as, as we've seen 
how does the club feel about that and, and how do you feel about that personally as well? Well, um, how do I feel about it personally? Um, I suppose my head is spinning. So, so in many aspects, just trying to comprehend that. Every league around the world has made their own decisions for different reasons. Um, and uh, for us, um, there is not a clear reason to actually shut down apart from paranoia. Um, so, so that's, that's uh, what I want to put in context. However, as of today, and you know, I'll continue to run through the week, but as of today, all football has been cancelled for the next four weeks until April, 12, uh, April 14, including our own academy. So, um, so, so as you come into to sort of you know, uh, Friday, um, yeah, it's, it's formally announced we had a tip-off that gatherings over 500 um, yeah, would stop and we'd have to be playing behind closed doors. Uh, so we knew this prior to the Brisbane game. Uh, NRL announced that they've been playing behind closed doors. So then we uh, straight away and you know, been working with the stadium, ready having a look at what does our Friday uh, match against Melbourne City look like um, and starting to put plans in place with that at a very, very quick time. Um, and we thought that things, okay, we thought we had a, had a handle on it. It was a crazy 48 hours and we thought, okay, no worries, as a league. Probably already had four different conference calls, um, you know, with, uh, with, with everybody, every stakeholder that we, that, that, that we can involved, uh, feeling like we had a grasp of things. And then New Zealand shut the borders. Um, and when New Zealand shut the borders, that threw in, a, threw in a, a spanner in the works again because we had two teams in New Zealand at the time in Wellington and Victory um, literally, you know, all, all, all bets were off in regards to what they were they were going to do and how they're going to react. And you're talking about people, you're talking about lives, you're talking about you know players with families who need to make big decisions within what could have been, you know, some of them would have been you know hours of of decision making that's there. So, um, so to and fro, I've been on plenty of calls and and a, and a massive shout out and credit to David Dome, the CEO at Wellington Phoenix, who has been thrown, you know, unbelievable challenges over the last couple of days. But uh, speaking to him only, only a bit over an hour ago, uh, Wellington, uh, I think they've put it up on social media, so I don't think I'm breaking any news, that they are coming to Australia, they are setting up camp, uh, and they will be able to train for the next 14 days uh, that's there. And, um, and um, hopefully Melbourne Victory uh, are able to do uh, the same uh, that's there. So... So then, again, you get to the point, you go, okay, cool, all right, we think we're, we're getting there, well, hopefully Wellington will sort some stuff out and we'll, we'll get going. Um, and, uh, and then, of course, the PMA. So on Sunday, there would have been four and a half hours of conference calls um, as we're getting different briefings, different updates, different government bodies or whatever providing us information that's coming through. Uh, and again, feeling like we've got a plan, we're, we've got control of things, uh, we're ready to be flexible, and then the PM shuts the, shuts the borders down, uh, throwing another spanner in the works. So, um, so again, that's, uh, that became a challenge. Um, by, by then, well, I was confident with the plan that we had here at the COE. Um, so, we'd, um, so we have closed uh, the office primarily. Uh, it's mainly myself and one or two others that come in every day um, that's, um, to, to keep you know, uh, basic functions happening, but the rest of the staff are working from home. Um, that's there. And, um, and yeah, shout out to all the staff who will probably listen to this that, that I really do appreciate their dedication through this um, unique period. Uh, and again, that's not for any hygienic reasons it's just to alleviate the paranoia and alleviate the stress for a staff member who's got to explain to a partner or a child you know you know what is going on uh, and i'd much rather them be able to do that in their own comfortable environment and feel safe about where they are uh, and then they can work better then they can get on with with the work uh, the staff who feel good and they're fine and they've got no dramas with stuff they're coming in you know so 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 um, so it's purely optional for the staff to come in and make their own decisions um that's that's there uh we do have some car parking protocols um 
yeah, that we put in place and, and I addressed the players on Monday morning and tried to give them as best of an update as I could uh, onto what was a very evolving uh, process. And as of yesterday morning, there was a, um, uh, a strategy to condense the season as quick as we can. Um, as of this morning, we've got draft draws um, to condense the season as quick as we can. And um, and again, it's been a it's been an action packed day with lots sort of happening. Um, you know, with all football being called off today is is uh, is, is another one that's um, you know it's it's hard to comprehend in in that aspect. Um, but that's a member fed decision, and I can totally appreciate with the amount of different competitions, with the amount of different yeah uh, variables that's out there. It's very hard for governing bodies to. Um, to be able to understand and control uh, what are dramatic changes when you're talking about only essential people coming to a game of football and you can only have one parent drop a child off and the dynamics that throw out, I, I, I totally support and understand why that is and it's probably, again, more about um, more about management of people than it is about actually, um, you know, stopping the spread of a virus. It's stopping the spread of panic, um, you know, in, in many aspects and allowing that. So... Um, so that was all, all, a, all a few, few curveballs. As of right now, I don't know if this is an exclusive. I don't know if it's out or not. Um, so I literally haven't been able to uh, to see. So, um, uh, but the draft draw, revamped draw, as it stands today, it could be totally different by the time I finish this conference call. I could get a ping. That's there. We like half exclusives. That's all right. So yeah. pod scoop, pod scoop. So so Melbourne City game to go as per normal, uh, seven thirty. There will be. Uh, um, Newcastle and Brisbane Raw playing prior to that game up in Brisbane. Um, so their round 27 match has been moved forward. Um, so uh, I thought we were going to have the very first uh, behind closed doors game in history and I was getting somewhat, you know, oh, wow, that's something, <laughs> you know, but no, no, some, I don't know, some bloke up in Brisbane with red hair, yeah, nicked it off me. Um, <laughs> so, um, and then so Tuesday. Uh, we play Perth Glory in Perth. So from a Friday game to a Tuesday game in Perth. Across the country as well. That's a short yes. <laughs> round. Yes. Yeah, um, righto. To, to come back to the, on training. to the derby, <laughs> um, to the derby that stays as per normal with Newcastle Jets, uh, to then also play at home on the following Wednesday against Western Sydney Wanderers, uh, to then play Melbourne Victory down in Melbourne for our last game of the season um, on, on this current scheduled uh, time. So within three weeks, our season will be finished. Uh, hopefully we can get there. But as I say, you know, there is reports as I speak right now that Western Australia are about to close their borders or could potentially close their borders. And then I've got another report saying that the Premier has rejected it. So I was who about to mention that because I saw something earlier about they were thinking about having uh, Perth basically do the same thing as Wellington and be based on the eastern seaboard so they didn't have to travel back on the fours in a plane for six hours. Yes, so that was the initial plan B, uh, which might come into fruition if the Perth borders do get closed. So um, so there is uh, workings. If that was to happen overnight, then I dare say you know, we would be asking Perth to jump on a plane and come and play us here uh, for that match. But they've got a game against Western United that they need to play before that. Um, so, so it will throw a spanner in the work. So it is literally a fluid draw that will move as quick as possible. And again, the reason is to get the season done as quick as we can. So is that one game less? No, that's that's all our games we've got to buy in there. That's um, oh, right. that we miss out on. And look, you know, to be you know looking at this, we are at the bottom of the ladder. We are a few points, a lot of points uh, behind um, behind the next place. But Melbourne victory won't play another game until they play us. Mm. So our last game is their next game. 
uh, they will be uh, in quarantine for 14 days um, and, um, and have got a bit there. If we can rally, if we can pull a bit of momentum out of this, who knows what that last game may, may not be. So if you're travelling down to Melbourne and you can't get to the game, you might be in a pub having a good time uh, anyway or drinking some sorrows. Um, yeah, that's there. But that is um, – there is something. There is something when I look at that and go, you know what, I've got as a fan, you know, and I'm a fan too, you know, that's, that's something to look at and to just, you know, think about what I just sort of said. I've missed a thousand points and I've missed a thousand little bits and pieces that's there, but it is a crazy, crazy time. When you, when you spoke to the players yesterday, was there, what was their general sort of reaction if there was one? Because there's been a couple of players in the league, like Ola Toivonen, who probably had was probably well within his rights to be more annoyed than anyone about the whole Wellington and the whole New Zealand situation when they were when they were apparently assured they were going to be able to get back. But then we've also seen uh, we've also seen Simon Cox come out and sort of um, I guess criticise the league for continuing on a bit. Has with our squad has there been any sort of Look, look, not that I heard. Um, you know, I haven't. I've spoken to a couple of players one on one that's there, and um, and they've been pretty supportive. I suppose they're just trying to understand it themselves. Um, across the league, there is definitely a different perspective from Australian players to some visa players. Um, you know, definitely know that Diamante has got a very totally different perspective on all this, which you're going to appreciate. He's Italian, you know, and you know he's got family who are living it and and, and are experiencing this in a totally different way, um, and um, and comes from a very totally different uh, area. So when so when those football competitions just totally shut down, you know, then it's hard for a visa player to go, well, why are we playing behind closed doors? Um, you know, that's not football anymore. I can appreciate that perspective uh, that's there. But, you know, as uh, anyone who's kept up with the NRL commentary, if the NRL's in trouble, I can only imagine what that means for the A-League and can only imagine what that means for, for Central Coast Mariners because... If we don't get through these games, we don't want to be faced with that scenario. What does that look like for Fox? If we can get through the games, then we got through the games, you know. And it's not ideal, but you know there is some ability for us to breathe and take a breath. But if um, if we have to cut the season short, or if we have to significantly delay the season, then it could trigger some ramifications that we don't want to think about. But uh, but they're there and the NRL is definitely highly concerned about it. Uh, we've seen the AFL already put out a model around a 17-round um, season condensed. Uh, again, that's, that's taking into account some of the, the broadcast ramifications. And um, and this is what underpins the game. Um, yeah, this is how the game survives here in this country. So, so without that, you know, it is uh, very dire. So it's in everybody's best interest to, to stay strong and see what we can do in this scenario. If there's not a reason, there's not a player that has been tested positive, there's not a staff member yeah, that's been tested positive. Um, so, so if there's not a reason to not have a game of football, um, then, then maybe we should proceed. But by the time we get off this podcast, I could you know, go back and hear a ping that somebody's got a positive test in the league and it is all over then. Then yeah, we had to put in all the planning, we had to put in all the work because we had to try for something um, that's there. But... Um, yeah, that's that's kind of kind of my take on it right now. I, I do want football to go ahead. I do want to be showing that there is, you know, this isn't the apocalypse. Um, yeah, that's there, and um, and that you know, healthy players, um, you know, with um, with yeah, a lot to contribute and uh, and a lot to still offer this season. Get the opportunity to. What about with all the the owners and the CEOs and obviously the FFA as well, sort of being involved? Was was it? 
was it sort of everyone's opinion that that the league should go ahead, or was was there a few that were staunch against it without naming names? Um, look, I don't think think anyone was staunch against it, and no one was staunch for it because we're all in this together. Like yeah. it is really that sort of an attitude that's there. I mean, um, yeah, Mike himself said, "Mate, just shut the league, just give it a pause, give it a break." Yeah, and then when you just start to go, right, well, what does that look like? You know, um, you know, what does that trigger, and what are the ramifications then? Oh, well, yeah, and what are the real reasons that you're actually doing it? Are we doing it just because everybody else in the league is in the world is doing it? You know, in countries that have got, you know, fifteen thousand, you know, um, you know, cases, and and uh, and we're talking about what we're three hundred seventy, so probably realistically four five hundred at the moment, um, you know, and um, and yes, it's growing, and it will grow, and it will get to a point that that it won't be able to happen. But will that happen in the next three weeks? I think NRL are very, you know, and AFL are aware that it is impossible for them not to, you know, predict that the league will stop for them uh, at some stage, whether that's next week or three or four weeks away from now. So we can only have a have a crack and see how much we can get done. So who who has made the call at the end of the day? Because I know there's a bit of this whole confusion, I guess, at the moment with who's actually running the league. Is it the owners? Is it is it the FFA? So we can probably speak about that sort of a little bit later. But just with this, is it the collection of the of the owners and the CEOs and the FFA? Is it the FFA with the final call or how does it, how does that work? Yeah, well, that's worked through a lot of conference calls. Okay. You know, that's, that's, <laughs> Four that's, hours on a Sunday. Yeah, 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 that, that, that's exactly right. And uh, so a conference call, Greg O'Rourke is, is you know, the, the man in the hot seat for all this, um, you know, and um, and I think doing a, a, a really good job in what is a, an unprecedented time. Um, so he's definitely working closely with James Johnson. He's definitely working closely with all the owners and in particular uh, an advisory group of owners that has been uh, pulled together to be uh, a lot closer and a lot more uh, nimble in decision making. Uh, and then of course with all the um, A-League CEOs. So uh, we are on daily conference calls. We are on live chats uh, every moment so that, um, so that anything that happens at any given time, uh, we're all on 24-hour uh, watch. I'm tired just listening to it. <laughs> I can't imagine how you feel. Uh, yeah. Got some questions? I think you just covered off most of the questions that we had. <laughs> Pretty early, yeah. Well, I mean, should we – I guess everybody's probably sick of speaking about the coronavirus. We'd virus, probably love so to move off it. Should we Should we go to us? <laughs> yeah. For I'm as much as we can. Speak – let's rewind like maybe two weeks ago or something before it all started. Where are we at? Where are we at? What's going on? What's going on? We are um, we are in a very 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 tough position, um, and you know the hardest part is that not much has changed, um, and you know the um, the biggest thing that I can say for everybody is that um, um, yeah Mike is is still very dedicated to this club. He's still very passionate for this club to stay on the coast, um, and. Uh, and I know that there are, you know, uh, a million knockers, and I'm not here to, pre- to to stand up for Mike. And I've I've said that to Mike. I said, Mike, I can't just sit back and be a loyal CEO, um, you know, and take all the bullets and take all the uh, knocks that's there, um, you know, for it. And he's not expecting me to. Um, but you know, what has um, you know been enabled is is a far more aggressive approach to looking for investors and a far more uh, greater open-mindedness to uh, what um, what models look like um, you know and I've expressed to Mike that I'll probably air some of my opinions a little bit more than I've previously done um, it is it is a very tough time and and for you know I, I'm just going to speak off the off the cuff here anyone who says that we should fold and you're gonna have to beat this just just f- off you know like at the end of the day, 
it doesn't matter, you know, in re- in the long game because I've got a three year old son, and when I'm and when he's twenty, I want him to take me to the footy at Gosford and watch the Mariners play. So <clears throat> that's the priority. You know, success right now is survival, and. You know, would Mike sell tomorrow if there was the right person? Yes, he would. Absolutely he would. You know, and, you know, um, previously, you know, I haven't been in a position to um, to look for investors that's there with Mike. And, it, and, that, and that was not, you know, my remit or role, um, you know, for that. But, you know, we are in a position that, um, that the club... Yeah, is uh, possible to grow into a much better state if we have um, different structures, you know, whether that's ownership structures, whether that's operational structures. Um, yeah, there are options in all of that, whether that is the stadium, um, yeah, changing structure that's there, whether it is uh, other investors and options that come in. Uh, there is uh, challenges and changes there that will make a difference. Uh, and Mike is open to it and Mike is, is, um, is, is keen for that, somewhat as he always has been, but I, I suppose, um, you know, there's probably a lot more candid nature of it. Mike was going to do a big um, you know, message to the members on Monday, uh, yesterday, and was going to you know, be very open and, and, uh, and exposed for that. However, you know, with the light of the coronavirus and everything that I just described, he said now is not the time you know, for that conversation, um, and I appreciate that. But I, I do want everyone listening to know that you know, that will happen. Um, you know, Mike will be you know, candid and frank in all that. Um, and look, you know, again... I'm. Uh, I'll speak more candidly than I've ever spoken before and, and again I've expressed it to Mike um, you know, and to Anton in that um, I truly believe that a model for, for our club uh, has a community, a community ownership component to it, uh, whether that is a model that there is two owners or, or a consortium that has 49% and another consortium or an owner that has 49% and our community has 2% share in the club so that if if you know, Usain Bolt came along again and wanted to renew his contract and one owner wanted to do it and the other owner didn't, then the community can say, you know what, this is good, bad or indifferent. Um, and that's sort of crazy talk coming out of me right now. But, but that's, that's for me. I, I just want to start to talk about openly about those scenarios and talk about what's actually going to save this club and push us forward um, because obviously status quo is not going to happen. Where we are today, it won't, it won't stay the same. It'll go one way or another. We're in a fork in a road. So we'll either fix it, find a way to fix it and, and have some other options or this club will unfortunately um, be, be on, on the same page uh, in history as North Queensland and, and the Gold Coast. And, and I'm going to do everything you know, to stop that from happening. That's, uh, I, won't, um, I won't spend a minute not doing that. So where does, where does Anton come into all this? So um, you know, we're, we're not here to speak about sort of anybody's personal finances or whatever, but the general sort of a rumour is that he's probably got quite a bit of money. He's probably spending a bit at the moment on the academy. Um, he's, you know, helped out with the apartment over at the entrance to house the academy players and everything. Is he interested in going half and half or is, is that on the table or is it a case of we need someone or someone's completely new? Yeah, look, um, um I'm sure that Anton, you know, doesn't mind me saying that um, that right now for him, you know, um, his core business and uh, and the stock markets are, uh, are dramatically crashing. So his world has turned on its head in the last seven days. So um, I've spoken to him a few times, um, and yeah, you know, I think of what I've just gone through is, is something, and you know, just put into context of. 
you know, the billions of dollars in the accounts that um, that, that he manages uh, and has had to deal with. And um, uh, it's kind of grounding when I speak to Anton and go, you know, toughen up, Sean. In fact, what, what you're going through is nothing compared to what, um, what he's having to deal with right there. But to answer your question, um, Anton doesn't, you know, isn't in the, in the space to be able to go by himself to do something like that. He does want to be part of a consortium to, to really lift the club. He's passionate about the club. He does want to help the academy. He does want to get, you know, kids... Um, you know, around the world and, and exploring their opportunities. Um, so, so he does want to be part of the solution uh, that's there, but he's not in a position to just go it alone uh, in that. And, um, and um, yeah, I suppose that's that's to to put a sum of it for for Anton. He wants to be, you know, part of a part of a group that that helps us get through this. That's why he came to the club. Um, and um, yeah, yeah, he's he's by no means a a sole saviour, but um, and uh, and him and Mike are really good friends, and and Mike's spoken quite candidly about you know not wanting to just pass a pass a problem on. Uh, it's about fixing this long term. So, how does the process work of looking for more investors? So after the podcast last week, we Mike got in. Mike reached out to us or Mr. Murray <laughs> after his rant over there, um, and said that you know he has been looking for investors but I guess you know from what you've said it's probably gotten to the f- point where it's more urgent how does that work does that work with Mike obviously using his contacts you using yours obviously throughout the league I imagine you would be able to get quite a few contacts throughout the other owners or the other CEOs or whatever is it between you two looking out there together is Anton involved how does that Work. Yeah, who's driving the process? Mm. And, uh, and I mean, how do you how do you try and sell us at the moment? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so um, great, great question. Um, well, we all are. There's no doubt about that. So, so, so anyone's contact, anyone's lead could open you know, enormous doors. So there's not anyone, members included, who who can't be involved in this process. Um, you know, and I, I had a good chat with Laurie because I know Laurie's been going through this for some time, and. Um, just said, mate, look, what's the market like out there? And he said, man, there's a, there's a lot of tyre kickers. There's a lot of blokes who come, you know, sort of rolling in on white nights acting like, yeah, cool, I'm going to own a football club. How cool is this and all this? And then when they actually have a look at it, um, they either realise they don't have the capacity or they don't you know, have the desire to, um, to put so much at risk. Where have we seen that recently? Earth. Yeah, yeah. So... <laughs> Um, so Laurie said that you know he's um, yeah he's he's lost a lot of hours and a lot of time with a lot of that and we have to go through that process um, yeah for it. and um, and yeah so so you know uh, what does it look like you know we um, we engage someone who's you know who's got an appetite you know we get the word out there uh, that's there um, you know we if there is substance if there is someone who's got some genuine merit we'll sign a non-disclosure agreement so that we can have a proper formal conversation and. Um, do probity checks and really sort of have a look at what does this mean and the, the the key part is why why would somebody come and want to invest in the Central Coast Mariners and you know for me you know the the pitch has, has always been the same you know, this is a market that is the exclusive market in Australia for football so it needs to be a football person um, the challenge that we've got is we don't have a football person who's a coastie yeah, you know, that would be the, the 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 prime opportunity, right? Because you can represent and look after your community, and you can also do something fantastic for the coast uh, that's there. And that's in all fairness, that's why Anton, 
you know, has come to the party. He's down the road at Mossman. He's not far away and he likes the Central Coast and yeah, has, has always come up here and that's why he's got a football person who's got a relationship with the coast um, and that's why he's come into it. So so that's the ideal sweet spot but it may not be there. So so if we were to find a passionate coastie with the capacity to, to do it, they're probably going to have ulterior motives around property development or the stadium or whatever that looks like but we'll have those conversations and need to, to, need to answer it. Uh, if it's a football motivation, if somebody from a football perspective and they're looking for football control, um, well, then that's another motivation. And you could probably see uh, a bit of that in Adelaide right now. You know, um, you know, not really, you know, I don't want to speak out of turn for my, for my colleague um, you know, down there in Adelaide, but, um, you know, it's, it's unclear as to what the total motivation is there for, for Adelaide, but it does appear to be more football, um, you know, motivated in regards to what they want to achieve technically in that aspect. Um, and so does a consortium of, of a combination of those make sense? Uh, possibly. And, um, and, and, and yeah, so, so getting the word out there, speaking to those uh, who are in the industry, who you know, know football people around the world, uh, who know, um, you know uh, people who uh, uh, are doing business on the Central Coast. You know, we find that with the majority of our sponsors, uh, apart from Master Foods, who's our long-term sponsor, the majority of our sponsors that come to us are Sydney businesses that are looking to expand on the coast. So when you look at Mate, you know, a telecommunication company, Fantastic company, great bunch of blokes that's there looking to expand onto the onto the cards. When you look at Pinnacle, yeah, again Joe Bachara, an absolute you know fantastic person, a football guy, property developer, looking to yeah uh, expand and, and, and build more buildings on the coast. So um, so so that does yeah present us with a profile um, that's there, and um, and we just got to keep talking to it. Um, and I, I and I'm really passionate about you know the community component of it because I think that that gives a big part of the sell. So to know that there is uh, the ability for us to truly be a community club through this process, if we come out of this in that sort of an environment, and it doesn't need to be much whether that's a whether that's a fighting fund that goes to making sure that the club allocates resources in particular ways or whether that is a uh, an ability to have a say. Definitely one of the things that you know I've yeah, I've, I will openly say if there was a community uh, shareholder and their only thing that they could do would sack the CEO, I would vote for that hand over fist if that's what, you know, the type of thing that, that could be done. There are a thousand different models, there are a thousand different opportunities that are here, um, but what I do know is the status quo right now will not remain. So, so we either go for something positive and have a real crack at finding something and keeping this place alive, um, yeah, or, 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 or face the other. Is the fork in the road coronavirus and the the what's going on around the world and all of that sort of thing, or is the fork in the road uh, something that occurred before that, or is it the fact that we're um, looking pretty likely to pick up our X number of spoons, etc., last position again? Is that? Uh, look, look, I don't, I don't think that the um, the clause in the contract that says that you know, um, you know that if we have four spoons in six years, then the FFA can come and have a meeting with us and if they're not happy with yeah, those outcomes and all that. You're talking about a financial fork in the road? Yeah, I'm talking about a financial fork in the road. So that that was evidence. What what was that sort of... Well, that was prior to, that was prior to Wednesday last week and that has been magnified yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, a thousand times over. And that, and that is a reflection of Mike um, really reacting to the fact that he's not any more happy than anybody else about the situation we find ourselves in that he's now um, more interested more mobile on the idea of other investors than he might have been in the past is it 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, Mike. Um, yeah, Mike had always said that he, he, yeah, he wanted to get the club to um, to be as 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 progressed as far as he as he could, uh, as he, as he could take it. And um, um, so, yeah, I, I think that's that's the, the right way to to surmise it. So, yeah. Um, because yeah, is um, of course Mike's very aware that you know, you know, Bessart Barisha comes and scores goals against us, and we don't have Bessart Barisha in our roster, and. Um, um, you know, and um, and the capacity to to just drive that money onto the roster uh, is not one that's that is capable of. So I can't knock Mike, and I just you know, um, you know, people think that he's some billionaire that's that's just you know, yeah, you know, this is his play toy type sort of thing. And I can appreciate why they've got that perspective, but you know, every time that I've you know had to call Mike and say, Mike, I'm really sorry, but we need some money, otherwise the bills aren't getting paid. Um, he has 100% every time said, "All right, let's get this done because you know no employee or player you know will will not be paid." Um, so, so and and I know it hurts him. I know this comes out of his other businesses and other people around the world, you know, work really hard for him to um, to be able to do that. So, yeah, I, I, I yeah I, I just can appreciate the fact that um, you know he's he's put in for the last ten years um, yeah more money than. Uh, than, than just about everybody in the game, you know, and he's and and he's done it to keep this place alive. So, but it's now about, you know, how can we take it to the next level? If Mike was to walk away, hypothetically speaking, what does that look like for the club? Does the FFA take back the license, or does it go to the to the new leagues group, or how, how does that work? How does that work? We go into voluntary administration, mm. and an, an administrator comes in, um, pretty much every. Every staff member, um, and um, you know, and uh, and every you know, player or coach who's um, you know, not fully locked in would be um, um, yeah would would be yeah, in in an awkward position, and that administrator would then be able to make whatever call that he decided to make. Uh, he would pick up the phone to the FFA. The license um, yeah, would revert back to the FFA under under course of administration, mm. uh, whether they decide to do what they did for Newcastle and, and afloat, try yeah. to keep them afloat, uh, whether they look to re- relocate to Tasmania or to Canberra or to uh, Brisbane. Those um, yeah, those conversations are, yeah, are, are very real. Um, that's there. So that is... Yeah, uh, fundamentally underpinning why the you know, current operational structure of the club becomes so important for new investors is um, is if there is a different stadium structure for us, uh, then it is more appealing for an investor to come and look at this club. So what is an advantage? Because right now, if you're an investor, you go, yeah, cool, let's get in, get involved in a football club. Well, oh, okay, you can pick up the phone and look at Newcastle. It's bigger population, you know, and um, you know, and, um, and and they've done well and. Uh, in in many ways, but what they don't have is some of the opportunities that we've got. So we've got to put that foot forward as best as we can, um, yeah, for the um, for the sake and survival of the club. So when when you talk about structures and when it comes to new investment or even new ownership as a whole, where does the centre of excellence fall into the football club, and then where does the stadium come into that best case if we do get the rights? I don't know. Not sure if there's an update that you can give there or not, but I think the concern for some people is is that okay, well, if the football club somebody reinvests in the football club, Mike still holds the centre of excellence, and you know the centre of excellence was sort of sold to everybody as it will keep the club sort of afloat for the next like a hundred years or whatever. 
how does yeah yeah, yeah I can, how, does, I, how does that work? Because I think that's a lot of people's main concern if things are to change in the next six to twelve months. Hopefully, yeah. Look, I I, I can answer um, yeah some of that pretty specifically. So um, because yeah, whilst we are yeah needing to keep a lot of the detail confidential. Uh, because we are under a process uh, with the council at the moment. So I really want to be respectful and mindful of that process. But I do think it is important, and we've expressed it as a council, so it's nothing new for them. It, um, if there was um, uh, any ability to change the structure there, it, it is with the football club. It is not with the uh, development uh, um, so the three entities of the club, there's Mariners Development, there's a football club and there's the uh, Academy, which is a non-for-profit foundation, um, but it sits with the football club and the licence and it has to because um, because it would need the support of the A-League and the FFA um, to underpin that. Now, what does that mean? That does mean that if there was a, a dark, gloomy day, um, then it doesn't matter what the ownership model is for the protection of the council and for the stadium yeah, that's um, that. That model is is about the FFA and the A League uh, license. Um, yeah, and that that's what protects it. So that becomes hand in hand. That's there. Um, uh, otherwise, it, it it wouldn't it wouldn't pass the test. So that's why again, I think a community um, yeah aspect to the operations of the football club makes a lot of sense uh, and would make a lot of sense to um, to everybody involved. One of the questions uh, from our questioners here that I can't see because I'm too old and blind, but the tone of the question was about whether or not there are plans and things like that. Is there something that we've got left at this point to uh, sell to those people? Um, because, you know, from a personal point of view, a lot of us would invest into that kind of theory if we thought it could keep the club where we want to be or, or um, bring us back to where we think we should be. Um, but we've got ourselves to a point where there's a fair bit of difficulty for us at this point. A, 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 what have we got to... How do we sort of get that to be a, a positive for people? How do we get people to want to invest in that? Just, isn't it... You were talking about Joe and other investors that we have in terms of sponsorship. If we sort of dip into that, we just have a pool of, of where we're getting our funds from and they could be our sponsors, they could be our investors in a local community-based kind of model um, in addition to individuals. Um, but what, how do we kind of sell that to them? What, what would you think that fans can sell to them in that um, place? Yeah, yeah, look, I, I think it's... Um, uh, we do need to yeah, have a look at what does a... A member co look like um, is that is that somehow connected to a facility or, or, or a venue? Um, you know, is it a structure? You know, uh, like you know, um, like a fan group sort of a, sort of a structure that's there that people can get involved. What I've been most passionate, and I've just you know, I sort of did a a, a tweet yesterday, uh, last night that. Yeah, hearing the talk around the members not wanting to get refunds um, is just truly inspirational. And it gives me that, that belief that there is something in exactly what you've asked. So, you know, so, so as a member, how can I get behind something like this? I suppose fundamentally is there. Uh, we've got to find a way to, to, to present a structure that can come together. Um, there are various different models and, yeah, and, um, and we can drive them as, as we need to. But, you know, I, I sit here as... as you know, as as a as a fan and a member myself, wanting to to find a way to be part of that. So, um, well, I, I suppose it'd be good if we could uh, kind of get fans to see how they could be a part of that. To be honest, one thing that Mike and I have agreed on in our exchanges is that we both want the club to be around in a hundred years, um, and that uh, to me is is a doable thing. 
Um, but my worry would be just how much support we can still get out of our um, local support because we're such a small pool. We always have been a small pool. Arguably, maybe it wasn't the best idea to just throw us the licence. At the time, there were probably other places that might have succeeded more easily or been less unsuccessful, I suppose. We just have a small market. So, so, so yeah, how do we, I guess the, the main thing I'd like to figure out is how to get people connected with that. Yeah. Yeah, um, well, it's it's having the conversation is the starting point. Um, Has that conversation been had? Because I know there's a couple of things floating around that there is, I don't know if this is right or not, and if you guys want to jump in or not, but there's apparently a few people floating around throwing ideas around about some sort of fan ownership thing, what it may look like within the fan group. Um, look, you know, I, yes. Um, yeah, you so know. you've, you've yeah. heard that as well? Yeah, no. no. Or you've seen it? Um possibly instigated some of it okay. um so you know and and i and you know I, again like i said before you know i've got to do whatever it takes right got to do whatever it takes and so you know um what does the model look like would would members contribute you know to a company um and that company's sole purpose was to make sure that uh the club spent the difference between the floor and the cap um, you know, it's an achievable goal and something that, you know, is measurable and accountable, um, you know, that's there possibly, um, you know, um, would, um, would, would members, you know, you know be, part of, um, be part of something that allowed a Central Coast football, you know, to buy, you know, membership into in bulk to actually give a bit more substance and punch to it. Um, you know, there's or a, or a licensed venue to get you know, right behind and support. You know, when the community starts to get noisy and starts to get busy, people love to get behind that. And um, and yeah, it feels small today, but I know it's not. Like it's actually, it's you know the the amount of yeah positive people that that you know are in the community and grab me and yeah um, yeah say you know just keep fighting the fight, fighting the fight, Sean, and you'll get there. Uh, they will come out of the woodworks when you know when we get the opportunity to present them with a good model that's there. Um, so and that that does need to come come out of this, and we've we've got the ability to have conversations like this, uh, use the forum, um, and uh, it, it will unearth. I don't know what it'll look like. It, it'll be organic, but. Uh, as long as we're having a serious conversation and a serious willingness that we can be a club, um, you know that that has a community aspect to it, unlike any other, um, then um, then I definitely know that there'll be there'll be politicians that will want to talk to me about it. There will be business leaders that will want to be talking to me about it. Um, but they who they really want to talk to, they want to talk to you guys. They want to talk to the members, and they want to see how yeah how they can do the right thing. Um, it will come. Uh, I've got no doubt about that, but we've just got to make the noise a bit bigger. Can you be involved in those talks and, and c encourage those and even um, support them um, by whatever input the club can put towards it? Like, uh, fans probably got day jobs, so yeah. figuring out exactly how to make the machine work, so to speak, is, is kind of hard. Um, I'm aware of the conversations and have had been involved in a couple of the conversations, that, and it's just... It's just a few people with the idea that we don't want the club or they don't want the club to be going anywhere. And if there's enough support for that, then I guess we can find amongst the fan base the right people who can grease those wheels and have those experience. But I guess a lot of conversations amongst fans about what they think about that and who'd be willing to put into it, how much they'd be willing to put into it, uh, how it looks to be a, um, a shareholder of the club, if that's what it would be, um, if it was more designed to, to fill the cap from the floor, um, 
Because, yeah, I think that there's been a group who have long thought that community ownership was a good thing around here, but it's been difficult times since that was last discussed to, to actually make a dent in it. Yeah, so um, can I be a part of it? Look, um, it's difficult, um, but I've had a conversation with Mike, and I know Mike is going to listen to this, so hey, Mike, you know. Um, but um, the... Um, yeah. Again, that's that's I suppose what is what is um, yeah really uh, important in in the last couple of weeks is um, being able to have uh, had Mike say you know let's let's have a look at this, Sean, and if you if you genuinely believe that there is um, enough community spirit and enough community ability to help this club, um, then then he's given me the green light to go for it. So um, in all fairness, if I won the clock back six months ago, and if I just gone and driven for something like that, you know. It's it's probably the the wrong thing for a CEO to do, um, you know. Without without you know having the proper conversation with the chairman, um, so um, so yeah yeah. Can I absolutely? Uh, yeah, ninety nine percent of the time is about you know the day to day you know, grind of, of of everything that's here. But uh, but it doesn't matter. I'll work till midnight every night and get up at one in the morning uh, and start again uh, if if need be to um, to to get the right solutions. Is that model, uh, I guess, allowed within within the license? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so. so I think I think that was probably one thing that you know was was always thrown around. It's obviously the league being a franchise league or whatever, and it was always the case of well, can we do it like a Germany or are we allowed to do something along those lines? So I guess is is that up to Mike at the end of the day, or is it up to the FFA? Oh, how, look, look, um, how it's structured. Well, it does come back to technically the FFA, but it's actually the other A-League owners uh, and the A-League uh, that's there. If uh, And as we've just seen with, with Perth, um, you don't get to have a, have just a, you know um, the opportunity to sell to some Bitcoin dude um, <laughs> you know, that's, that's out there, right? So, so you know... Um, so if um, so, if Pete Pry comes along and, and says that you know he's going to pump in two million dollars and uh, and and start you know uh, getting ten percent of the club or whatever that looks like, um, you know there's going to be a check to make sure that he can do it. You know? Yeah, just don't cash it till the year twenty fifty. <laughs> so, um, but who knows? You know, is there a, is there a GoFundMe page that gets this triggered? Is there just a meeting and a get together? Provided it's 499 people, um, <laughs> you know, um, I, I, I don't know what the trigger points are, but I know that it, it probably starts with conversations like these ones, uh, and being brave enough to just get out there and, and go for it. Two questions from me. First one is an easy one. W League, any updates? And do you know if Western United or Macarthur next season are bringing in women's teams, and does that put us sort of behind on the uh, pecking order? Look, you know. I'd always spoken with a lot of confidence on W League uh, up until Wednesday this week. Um, is um, I do know that Western United, uh, Macarthur, and Wellington all um, yeah would love to have a W League team, um, but we don't know if there's yeah we don't know what the structure is going to be. So it's impossible right now to do any crystal balling. We don't know if we're going to finish this season, let alone to know what next season looks like, let alone to know where the funds you know, would come from the league to in, to expand. Um, and um, whilst we know that that internally we can get there and we can do it, and this could be this could be something that a community uh, based model yeah can help drive and get across the line. But I don't know what the what the league is going to look like, um, you know, and when we're going to start playing with crowds again to um, to truly be able to answer that with any any confidence. So that's sort of changed from 
before when the club was sort of pretty confident about getting something in maybe next season? Yeah, if you asked me this question on Tuesday, I, I, I would have been uh, I would have been banging the walls down. You know, um, it's something that I'm extremely passionate about because I know how good our girls are. I know how good our yeah Dan Barrett is. I, I know how good our structures are compared to the other clubs and the resources that we've got. And what I really what I really really miss right now is that lever that we could have had that makes the brand look better. Yeah, okay, I get that the A League. You know, is uh, is is having another tough year, and that's. Um, but that didn't doesn't have to be the same for the W League. Uh, the W League, you know, can be. Yeah, um, uh, put a, put the whole brand in a different light and a lever that, you know, you, you can really drive on. And you've seen the Wanderers do that this year. The Wanderers totally had to change a strategy, totally had to change a level of investment, which wasn't that dramatic, uh, but the impact was don't was was you know um, was drastic. I think. I speak for a lot of fans, hopefully, who are pretty frustrated and annoyed and there's it's honestly the first time they've ever thought about sort of, I don't need this anymore, why should I do this when the results just haven't changed for five years? What would you say to the fans that are pretty close to saying, you know what, I don't want this anymore, this is not going to happen for me, I'm not going to put any more money in, what do you think you need to do to get those fans because this is this isn't like the glory hunting fans they were gone a long time ago those are these are the diehard fans that have been here since day dot what would you say to the fans that are in that position now that are very close to just saying i don't want to do this anymore yeah look firstly i want to um just personally apologize that i haven't been able to uh have a better impact uh in the last few years on that um and um and yeah, whether the causes are you know, purely financial or, or any other yeah, um, ID generation that's there. So so that's kind of my starting point because um, I am hurting and as, and as you know, um, yeah, um, stretched uh, as all the fans. So, so I, can, yeah, I, can, I can truly empathise in, in many aspects that's there. Um, and you know, what, to, what to say to you guys, look, you know, it, it's you guys, you know what I mean? Like, like I don't have to hide from the fact that you, know, you guys represent you know, thousands of people that, um, that still come to the games that are really, uh, that are really hurting uh, after so many years. And this season hurt so much because we actually showed some bloody promise. You know, we actually showed you know, some intent you know, at times this year and still couldn't get you know, across the line. Um, so so what, what do I say is, is we are at a fork in the road and it, it, status quo won't, won't stay um, in, in that aspect. And, and I, I, I truly hope that it, it goes a positive way, not a negative way um, that's there. And, um, you know, we've got possibly a, a really unique little uh, end of the season to, um, to do something different. Um, you know, we, we launched Mariners TV. Um, I, you know... <laughs> I really don't know what it's going to be like, right? So, so you know, but I just wanted to have something that is a vehicle and a platform to have these type of conversations in a in a true uh, format um, that's there, and uh, and hopefully still have a bit of fun, yeah, along the way. And um, I wish I, I I wish and I apologise that I couldn't get more money out of Mike Charlesworth, and I've said that to Mike, you know, but um, but that's that's the reality. That's the the lay of the land that's there. Yeah, um, yeah, we've been able to. Yeah, we've been able to actually increase our membership over the last five years, numbers-wise. We've been able to increase our sponsorship, you know, um, and we've we've got some really great partners who you know who really stick by the club, you know, and we're we're eternally grateful for them. Uh, but it's still not enough, you know. It's not enough when 
you know, when the gap is so big and, you know, we are playing Melbourne City, you know, the City group, you know, on Friday night and, um, you know, to, to know that, you know, two of their players is, you know, getting paid exactly what the, you know, the entire, you know, salaries of everybody on the field is, is, is a really tough situation. And, you know, promotion relegation, you know, does have, have, a, have a part to play in this because, um, because you see moments when, yeah, and it's happened to us every year. And I've, I've spoken to Alan about it. I said, Alan, yeah, we're coming up to this moment when every other year we just crumble. And we crumble because the players are just as tired. The players are just as hurt, yeah, with the results. And they're just as confused as times as well. And you see, you know, you see Ziggy Gordon. I see the same look in Ziggy Gordon's eyes that I saw in Tom Hiario's, that I saw in, you know, in Alan Burrows, you know, over the course of time, you know. And... You know, so so it's no, it's hard to put down to to an individual. You know, in that it is, it is a uh, a cycle that um, um, that whilst we've tried to break time and time again, and we've truly you know, believed and really worked hard for it, it still hasn't broken and it hasn't changed. And and I'm seeing the same. Um, I'm seeing the same outcomes from totally different people. You know, I'm, I'm you know, it's, you know, seeing the uh, like I, I could have sworn blind the game against Western United was going to be an eight-two result. You know, like I just, you know, you could see and feel that. So the difference, you know, hopefully for this year that that's um, that was one of the steps that we put in place was to have a long-term, um, you know, contract for our head coach to ride us through the through the murky waters. Um, that's why we did it then. Um, the other coaches never had that opportunity, so the other coaches were living, um, yeah, were, were living on the edge. Um, and if I think of the recruitment that Alan has been doing, and yeah, whether it's you know, if you look at the players that are contracted for next year, um, yeah, there is you know, Alou and Sammy Silvera and Gianni Stensnes and, and Nizzi and Lewis Miller. I can see where Alan's building, and the other coaches haven't had that opportunity to. Um, to, to really put in a longer term strategy for that, um, and um, yeah, and we do have yeah we do have hopefully by Friday you know, a couple more to to add to that list, um, and they're, they're players who are signing on because they believe in Alan and 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 where he's taking it, and it is a rough road and it is tough on Alan and you know and and and, and I think we've all seen um, you know the roller coaster that he's he's been through and and as an individual you know the last couple of years of his life has been um, you know something quite remarkable for him to be as strong as what he is right now so so um, I can only say that. You know, I keep believing, and I'm going to fight no matter what um, until um, um, and, and do whatever it takes because survival is 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 going to be our greatest success. I would just like to re- reiterate about the the office stuff. Cop a lot of of shit on the socials, and I think that's pretty unfair. I think all of us respect everyone that's in the office. They all work hard. They all love the club. They put a hell of a lot of stuff into it. So I think the people on the socials that give them shit should just. Stop. It's just, oh, it's just white noise, really. So I just want to reiterate that. As my frustration is with Mike solely, to be honest, to be completely honest with you. It's not on the office staff. So I think I'm hoping that a lot of people feel the same way. But obviously there's a vocal minority on social media that don't. Yeah, look, you know, um, uh, absolutely. Anyway, anyone who takes a crack at anyone below me, just, you know, Pull your head in, look in the mirror, you know. And this is the only time that I've, you know, I've come close to biting. But it's just comes with the territory. I have to be strong through that because uh, all that will do is absorb um, time when it when there's when there's bigger things to be done than, than worrying about what what someone said on social media. Uh, it is tough on the kids, you know, when they come home and they they talk about that. But got to be strong. I think it's majorly unfair on the office staff on Monday mornings after a loss, like. 
copping emails or phone calls or whatever. I'm not sure if that might happen a little bit, but I think that's just majorly unfair. So that was just what I wanted to reiterate. Yeah, I agree. And you know what? The, the worst Mondays is when the phone doesn't ring. That's the worst ones. You know, so. Yeah, that's a good, good point. Really How good is Dadge? <sighs> He's learning. You know, I, well, that, that's that's my take on it. And I've said that to him. I said that uh, I truly believe that um, that he's he's really uh, learning uh, a lot. You know, um, and again, you know, look, this is my personal take, which is very candid, I suppose. But uh, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm seeing a um, I'm seeing a great man and, and a and a really really good coach um, change from a system of national teams you know, to a league coach. Uh, is is the biggest challenge and shift that's there because, um, and, and again, I can only say that this is just my personal opinion, which I have expressed to Alan, uh, is that you know what when you when you've got a national team and they come into camp and you know something doesn't go right, well maybe you just don't invite that person back, right? And, you know, so so it's kind of a bit easier. Whereas having to deal with the day to day and the emotions of, uh, of of all the players and staff is is a is a totally different scenario. And um, and I've seen similar things in in previous coaches who have got similar backgrounds. Uh, that's there, but um, but I, I generally believe that Alan is learning. Uh, I believe that he's um, really aware of of the requirements for the roster uh, and the type of players that he wants to bring in, um, and um, and, uh, and and I believe in him. So there's there's been some talk recently. So I mean, I guess we've spoken about sort of the off field a lot, which I feel like probably filters down into the structures of how the on field is worked, but. Is there the capacity there at the moment to have some sort of a football director in place? Because I know that's been spoken about a little bit, but sort of again, does it come down to money at the end of the day, or is it? No, no, no. Look, it doesn't. It doesn't come down to money um, in that aspect because if that would solve the problem, it would happen, you know. And um, and we've been down that path a couple times. So um, yeah, Peter Story, you know, was sitting in that role. Mike Phelan sitting in that role, um, you know, and you know the. The changes that had happened under both of those guys were were dramatic um, in in many aspects behind the scenes, as they had their own football philosophies that um, uh, that came in and were imposed. The unique is uh, the Central Coast is unique in its football landscape um, that's there, and I'm not saying it's it's the wrong model. I had I you know, caught up with Patrick Swanswick and had a very long conversation with it, and and Patrick knows that you know fundamentally I'm I'm really. Uh, open-minded to, um, to to that sort of a model that's there, and it could be the right one, uh, but uh, but it's got to be. It's more about the right person um, than um, than the right structure that's there. We do have, I think Anton sort of tapped onto it, but we do have a uh, an overseas technical director that is driving our visa recruitments uh, that's there. So um, and um, so so there is uh, there is structure in place uh, in some of that, um, but is it just a Simple. Let's go get a technical director, and the world's will be solved. No, that's not. It's not it. It's about the right person that really would understand, you know, um, you know, uh, understand the climate, understand what's needed, understand exactly how NPL, SAP, you know, the whole thing comes together. The you know CCF relationship, football, New South Wales. You know, there is a very, very complex web uh, of football structure that um, that can't just be someone coming in and just telling Stage, you know, what he needs to do. Yeah. I don't know if it's hard to answer this at the moment or not with sort of what's going on, but what what do you think the next sort of six months looks like for us going into sort of the end of the season? I mean, best case, we just avoid the spoon, most likely at the moment. I don't know if that's sort of how I feel, but if we do get another spoon, if, you know, and obviously there's a lot of, you know, you, you kept on saying that the status quo won't stay the same. Is there, I guess, is there like a time limit on for how long that won't stay the same for? Or is, 
and how do you sort of envision the next six months sort of playing out as we get towards the end of the season and then we come into the off season again and then have to ramp up into a new season is it more positive than negative is it more negative than positive if things don't change um, well, I suppose putting aside the fact that I don't know what tomorrow looks like um, and the coronavirus, so, so we'll park the impact of coronavirus to you know, try to answer that question. Yeah, um, that's there. So, so you know, hopefully the uh, Brisbane University uh, has saved the world. <laughs> Um, and uh, and they've got the cure, and they're not just talking shit, you know. <laughs> so, um, so, so, um, but uh, but again, putting that aside, um, well, what is the time limit? The time limit, you know, is going to be really about, um, yeah, Mike's passion to to see this thing through, um, yeah, to to get it to where it needs to be, because it's going to cost money just to get from point A to point B. Um, that's there. So, um, and you know, if. Um, uh, it's going to be about change of structure. So if we come into uh, if we come into October and uh, it's pretty much the same, you know, it's you know we've you know we've recruited and we've got a couple of good players and we're really excited about the new players and hopefully they're going to be the saviour. But but everyone can just you know look at it and go, well, you know what, you still spent you know still spent the minimums that's there. There hasn't been any real structural change to the way their clubs operating. Yeah, that's there. Um, yeah, then we're probably in for um, yeah, continuation. That's a negative you know, perspective of it. But um, but again, you know, if that's what it takes to survive, then that's what it takes to survive. You know, and you know, what does what does that look like? Let's let's be frank. That looks like um, like a stadium that only opens half. So you know, so the membership's not sold on the eastern side. Um, that we have you know stadiums that that you know is running at a reduced capacity. Um, purely so that the financials, you know, can be better. Um, you know, what does that look like? It probably looks like we will have 3,000 members that will be part memberships, and you know, and um, you know, and and there's a there's there's a there's a difficulty there. Um, but you know, that's um, like I said, if if that's what survival looks like, and and you know, uh, hopefully, you know, hopefully there's there's other options that give things motivation. There's other reasons for members to become members. There's other reasons for, um, you know, for players to come to the club because because they look at the investment and the future prospect under, you know, other structures. Again, whether that's operational or, you know, or um, or, or as far as investors happen. Um, who knows? Who knows? But I've just got to chase it, you know, like that's, that's um, I wish, I really wish I had clearer answers, um, you yeah, know, for that. But uh, all I do know is that, the community rallying uh, and the community uh, being vocal about uh, about the club staying, and I'm not saying that's you know paying membership and turning up and bums on seats. Um, you know, it's just about you know being able to, to get a coordinated message. Uh, the council will get behind that. The council, you know, have already expressed um, you know their passion to to support um, obviously us, but you know us as a representative of the community, um, and um, and we take it one step at a time. You know, so. Um, you know, like we had, there were really interesting things that sort of happened this season. We had, you know, the pink round. You know, there was things that sort of worked. Like we had a women's networking function that that just boomed. You know, there was a there was a different market there. We had a we had a um, we had a high tea. Um, you know, I didn't even know what a high tea was till I went to it. <laughs> but it was a fantastic event that raised really good money for you know, for a really important person in our club. So, you know, so so those things show that there's there's a heartbeat and. Yeah, it's probably just about, you know, it's going to be a different model, um, you know, and a different style of things for us. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I'm literally just 
talking you know, as it's coming to um, as it's coming out because it's um, it's what keeps me awake every night. Just quickly touching back on the stadium, what's the financial situation with the behind closed doors? Does the club take a hit even more financially, or do you not lose as much with games being behind closed doors? Um, well. Uh, in all fairness, the Melbourne City game this Friday night does have a you know, positive effect, um, yeah, and it's, it saddens me to say that. But um, but the reality is, I don't have to pay for all the security and and you know all the staff and and ticket sales for the this closing one. day and drive as well. Costs closing money. day and drive. That's that's right. And um, and look, you know, uh, we were faced with you know likelihood of it being the lowest ever crowd in the history of the club. You know, so it's. Um, it could have been, you know, as, as equivalent to our Wellington game last year, um, you know, financially. So, uh, but on the flip side, Jets and Wanderers are profitable matches, um, so we take a huge hit there. So, um, so, so, yeah, yeah, those, those ones take a hit. Um, if if we get forced to uh, refund uh, for memberships, that will be a, a an enormous blow. Um, yeah, financially, and um, and if we need to um, compensate sponsors who haven't been able to get all their deliverables, that'll be an enormous blow. So, um, so, so this is this is a hit. Um, there's no doubt about that. I don't know what I'm more scared of: the coronavirus or the future of this club. Sometimes, <laughs> uh, look, you know, and you know, and it's hard not to be depressed, uh, you know, in some <coughs> aspects, but it's also hard not to be yeah, extremely motivated, um, you know, yeah, by it. So, you know. Thought I said it a couple of times, but but survival could be a greater success, and 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 for me, as long as I get to 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 come to a um, to come to a game with my kids, uh, yeah, in the future, then uh, then it doesn't matter what the uh, what the short term pain looks like. Anything else you want to touch on? Um, I can't believe I'm not playing 35s for like four weeks. <laughs> oh, I like like that. <laughs> so it looks like yeah, it looks like CCF are going to start the season first weekend of May or, or the last weekend of April. Yeah, more yeah. time for preseason. It's a positive for me. Well, no, we're not allowed to train, so I can't even train for <laughs> April fourteenth. So isolation training. Yeah. Isolation yeah, training. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's um, yeah, that's a that's a confusing time. So um, I don't know. I don't know what else to, to talk about. You know, this. I think you've touched on just about everything. Yeah, so, I think that was a fantastic <coughs> frank chat. Yeah, really yeah. good. I apologise if I've offended anybody, uh, the chairman in particular. Um, <laughs> but um, Couldn't have been worse than last week So with us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Morrow doesn't think he's easily offended, so no, it's all good. Sean, always appreciate your time, mate. Thank you so much for coming in. We all and all the listeners, I know, really appreciate it as well, mate. So always very insightful and, um, yeah. Yeah, good it's stuff. Great to have you along. Cheers. Hopefully Mariners TV isn't a total debacle. Um, so tune in. I think we are going to try to air it just before kickoff. I've heard whispers you're going live yourself. So, yeah, well, why not? <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, why not? Why not uh, get out there and uh, I don't really know what it's going to look like, but I just know that let's have a crack and there's a, there's a Marvin video about to break um, yeah, soon as well on top of the one that we've already had a teaser for. Um, which um, yeah, which which just shows the quality of some of the staff in the tough time. Is that just going to be like a YouTube live stream or a website or? Yeah, I think that's what we're looking at. So so yeah, just doing a YouTube live stream, um, yep. you know, and trying to get whatever content we can, uh, whether it be some live interviews. We want to work with Fox, so it's not it's meant to actually promote Fox. And so if you're at home uh, watching the game, then there's something to go. All right, well this is this is a different experience. It's a behind closed doors game. Um, so um, I think I've still got the gone to the pub banner as well. I'm going to try to see if we maybe... Oh, do you have it? So, so. I've been wondering where that went. So. <laughs> Bloody thief. 
<laughs> I was going to make a new one. <laughs> so, so, yep. so, so, might I don't know. I don't know. It's it's uh, if, it, if it's still available, pub. might uh, might get it out. But um, does this need a commentator? Because commentator extraordinaire right here. Yeah, I'm out of a job for the next few weeks. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that deal being shut down. No, not that. Guy. I'm not talking about me. <laughs> yeah, bloody hell. Talking about Penny turning Pryor his right mic here. off. <laughs> Look, if we can pull off live crosses, if I can get a, uh, you know, if I can get a at home catered box. I'll um yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be at a wedding on Friday night, so it'll be very interesting. Any any sort of uh, vox pops that you get from me. <laughs> <laughs> so, very good. Yeah. All right. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks again, and um, um, yeah, see us uh, on Friday night via Mariners TV. Thanks, mate. Thanks, Sean. Cheers, guys. Love you too. Love you. Sydney and Perth played out a nil-all draw, an absolute multi-buster. Oh, <laughs> my God. Let's talk about multi-busters. Bratton right. had a goal ruled out in the first half. Uh, oh, it screwed me. It screwed me. I had, like I do every week, I throw a multi on for the whole round and first game, Sydney. <laughs> you know, the odds weren't nailed on, but they were pretty good. They were pretty, and, yeah. And, you know, I maybe, maybe a draw may have been a safer result because Sydney have been slipping-ish <sighs> recently, probably in their performances, but I thought I was pretty good. I thought Sydney at home, they've just got I, too much yeah. for him. I, I yeah. thought I was safe. And Trent missed a sitter at the right at the death. Oh, yes. I've seen him do that exact same move at Plume That's our about Trent. three years ago. That's our Trent. <laughs> that boy Trent. I was about to go live on the MPL2 stream and I had the, the broadcast headset on and everything. I'm watching the Sydney game and I've nearly screamed something that I shouldn't scream into a broadcast headset. <laughs> 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 So, yeah, now nah, cheers, Sydney. Um, City won, Wanderers won. So, I mean, if my multi wasn't stuffed after the Sydney game, that would have done it. Um, McLaren, your say favourite. The li- say the line, boys. McLaren, tap in merchant. <laughs> there we go. Game. From the penalty spot, wasn't it? Yep. yep. That, that counts. Yeah. That counts. And Tate Russell uh, got the goal for the Wanderers. Quality goal, that one. Tate Russell basically set that up himself. Almost got the... he Basically, the one-two he did... Um, with I can't remember who it was, but his first touch off the crossfield ball was quality mm. and then really good finish. And, I mean, again, not something we've seen uh, out wide this season from either of our probably fullbacks like mm. that. So very good quality from Russell. Phoenix 3 victory were not victorious, uh, nil. Um, Phoenix 3 victory nil. Goals to Davia, Hooper, and Ball. So uh, self isolation derby. Mm. <laughs> that is a self isolation derby. That's a good shout, actually. Um, I enjoyed this one actually. Um, Davia's finish was Jeez, very Phoenix nice. Are good. Yeah, they play such a nice brand. I of think football. they play the most attractive football in the entire league. Now I feel they're a little bit hard done by having to obviously relocate to Australia, play the rest of their home games in Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, self-isolate for the next 14 days. Um, it's Tough. just come out that they're actually going to be allowed to train during that self-isolation period, which is lucky for them. But, you know, it's not going to do anything for match fitness. Um, so it's a shame. I really hope that things don't start to fall off a cliff for them. That's really rough on the blokes with a wife and kids being Big away time. from family. Well, De Villa, he's, white, he's just had a kid. In Mexico. Back in Mexico. Mm-hmm. And he's decided to stay with Wellington. And yep. not go home. Yep, that's right. That's insane. That's yep. a lot of dedication to the cause. It yeah. is. Yep, yep. But um, I'd I'd like to see them go far this year. I, oh mate, that would be sensational <laughs> if, if they could yeah. pull off. 
How about the fall of victory, though? The only team that they are in front of is us. They are in 10th position with only, what, four or five games left. I think I said a couple of weeks ago that we're more of a chance, and this is before Newcastle appointed Carl Robinson and started going on a decent run, we're more of a chance of catching victory than we are of Newcastle. And that's that's playing out right now. Um, yeah. I thought victory were going to try and get about four or five red cards and get the game finished early. So <laughs> get back to the airport <laughs> in time make to make the over. curfew. <laughs> what a world. What a time to be alive. Well, I could have just taken the forfeit and was 3-0 anyway. Mm. Yeah, that's right. And then, but oh, yeah, I guess if the players are suspended, yeah, is what it is. Um, finally, the last match of the round, Adelaide nil, Jets 3. I did tip this one. <laughs> that was a double snake score and that just makes me mad. I like whoever's written the notes here. Snake that was one, me. Snake 1, Snake 2, <laughs> Yugakovic for the goal scorers. Snakey McSnakeface. Um, yeah, so Snakey McSnake. So yeah. we got Irish Snake and Aussie Snake. <laughs> The dodgy Miller. Um, Mill snake. It's frustrating to see how comfortable the Jets are at the moment, but yeah. I mean... Adelaide are the definition of inconsistent as well. Don't yeah, they? They're of what, nine, nine wins, 12 losses now. If I had a like dollar that. for every time you said that... <laughs> You'd have $12. <laughs> um, and you could buy us. Uh, I mean, it's frustrating about the Jets, but you can't help but say well they probably deserve to be on the up because yep. they were in a shitty spot and they made a couple of good signings to fix it and I mean as much as I want to stick a fork in my eyes them re-signing Roy has made a huge mm. difference mm. they've obviously got Wes Hulahan back uh, they've signed Ledley. Ledley who's I mean for him to come off the bench it's like Righto. <laughs> like, and then you look at our bench on the weekend in comparison or the week before mm. when we had like four strikers on the bench. Yeah. And they can bring Jade Ledley off the bench. That Yugarkovic goal was like really, quality. really good. Yeah, Yugarkovic is like probably, for me, probably the best midfielder in the league. Very unsung yeah. because he plays for them. But yeah. And the one... The, yeah, the, yeah, he's, play, he's a good player. The one thing he was missing in the first half of the season was goals. And he's starting to sort of pop up with the odd one every now and then. And he's turning into a very good player. I think Burns has um, played pretty well the last probably six weeks as well. Mm, agree. I hate complimenting them. Oh, no, it's I, so annoying. We, we'll I just like, stop now. I feel like I'm going to be sick. That's why I turned away from the microphone. I don't want it. No, I don't want it. Give me the I corona. Go, i got to go vomit now. <laughs> give me that, yeah, give me that sweet, sweet rona. <laughs> Other A-League or Australian things. All right. Um, as we spoke about just before Melbourne victory and Wellington Phoenix, unable to play for the next two weeks in self-isolation. Mm. It'll be tough. Um, as we said, Wellington still, fortunately for them, able to train, but no, uh, no game time. Melbourne's first game back, as it stands, will be against us. Mm. Yes. Unless something has changed uh, between the starting and the ending of this recording, or when it <laughs> but knowing, comes out. But knowing what, knowing the whole virus, I think I think everything's been changing every day, so it's yeah. I mean, pretty likely that something's probably going to change. It would not. I know, like I'm, like I said before, I'm not as up in arms about it as a few other people, but it would not surprise me if the league gets canned by the end of this week. Yep. Yeah, as you say, just takes one person to get it, whether that's a player, staff member, what have you. Mm. And uh, the shit hits the fan. Uh, I, I put in here, so the A-League going ahead for the moment behind closed doors. Only players, staff, anyone, a judge to be essential is allowed into the stadium. Do we think the league should have just been postponed rather than playing behind closed doors? No, let it play out till the last round of the season and then call it off. 
so yeah, we don't get the spoon. Results are null and void, and yep. then the standings go on alphabetical order. <laughs> third, third place, <laughs> yes. bitches. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> Delayed final series to be yes. played in like August or something. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we decide messy by then. It's all good. I'm all about that. Yeah, no, it's good. So yeah, obviously, last round at the stadium um, or last round in general would have been the last round that fans were able to attend. Um, so congratulations to anyone that uh, yeah. was at the last round, Australia-wide. <laughs> and the crowds are pretty poor, weren't they? There was like, I think Brisbane's was the, like, our game was the second lowest raw crowd ever. I think, yeah, well, that Perth. was that was low. The Melbourne City one was very low. They had mm. about 2,200 there, I think. Yeah, Sydney-Perth was about four, I think. So <laughs> People freaking out even, over the I mean, row. Even without the whole behind-closed doors things coming into effect for the last round the crowds were obviously massively affected so mm. it's um yeah i don't know it's weird times interesting times it makes me feel a little bit better that i can't make the game this week because i wouldn't have been able to make it i'm, I'm away for a wedding on friday so but you're going to Bacolban where they just confirmed a case in the last 24 <laughs> hours They've disinfected the place, all right? It's, okay. it's fine. Yeah, no, that's cool. If I come back with the row row, I'll self row row. You better trademark that now. The row row. <laughs> if you don't laugh or cry, eh? <laughs> of course. Let's have a look at some of the questions coming through via the social media channels, Facebook, Twitter, CCM fans, etc. Thank you all so much for everyone who contributed, as usual. Um, firstly, Mick Komet, do you think that the recent ban on spectators has saved the club from embarrassment in terms of crowds? Uh, most likely would have been a record low crowd on Friday and we would have been owned by the Newcastle supporters the following week. Um, so we touched on it ourselves and Sean also touched on it during his interview as well. Um, that, yes, it, it was probably looking like a, a record low crowd for us um, next Friday. So, yeah, potentially it might have saved a little bit. Um, yep. Yeah. Um, Johnny Needham, thoughts on Brisbane's goal? He's, uh, he's mentioned Clisby's fantastic marking on that one there. I, I sense it, just, mm. a, just a hint of sarcasm um, in the fantastic marking. Um, what do you guys What do you guys think about... Yeah, it's still poor. Still poor. I mean, you know, we were probably complimentary of uh, Ruan and Hazigi before, but obviously McDonald's gotten free in the middle. Um, too much space out wide. You know, I think we've probably been pretty uh, critical of Clisby this season, or at least I know, I, at least I have myself. Um, I don't. I don't get the re-signing of him for two years when we did last year and all that sort of stuff and. May sound harsh, but we're in a position where we need to be harsh, and uh, I just don't think he's good enough, unfortunately. Agreed. Other than that, uh, Johnny thinks we played quite well. Um, how in the shit are we supposed to organise a protest against Charlesworth? I think um, his, his autocorrects playing up big time. Yeah, two weeks in a row. Yeah, <laughs> someone's messing with his uh, predictive text or something. Uh, like that, and it says Charlesworth too. Yeah, <laughs> um, sounds like a Pokemon or something. Um, now that we can't go to games, he's off it. Um, <laughs> But, well, we're all obviously having a protest by not going to games, I guess. Uh, seriously, how do you think this virus situation will have any effect on our situation with Charlesworth progressing? It has, I guess, put a bit of a spanner in the West. It's taken precedence over, you know, everything 
else. Um, but Sean touches on it quite quite heavily during his interview, as you guys would have heard. So yeah, not too much else that we can, I guess, elaborate on other than what Sean's already said. Yeah, agree. Um, P.S. Great to see you, gents, soldiering on. Love your work. Love your work too, Johnny Shotgun. Jared Jennings. Uh, shout out to Jared. If Charlesworth packs it in, will we be able to get someone to take over the club? Would Anton? Um, again, something that Sean's touched, touched on. on that, yeah. Yep. Also, what core players do you guys think we should try and keep to build the team around next season? I'd say Ziggy number one for me to keep to extend. I think we've said he's had an, he's got an option apparently, one year option. Mm. So I think we should go for that. Try and get him to stay. Beerers would be nice, but if the rumours are true, then he's not going to be here next season, which is unfortunate. And I think, Luke, you touched on it. His interview after the Brisbane game was uh, not very encouraging, to say the least. He looked like he checked out. Yeah, I mean, he, he didn't necessarily say any of the wrong thing. I think he did have a slight dig at us not scoring goals, which, yeah. you know, obviously he would be quite frustrated about. But I think just his body language mm. and his That's the demeanour the in the language. interview was just, I'm here for a job till the end of the season mm-hmm. and then I'm gone. Um, and, you know, I can't... Like, how can you hold it against him? I can't, yeah, you can't <laughs> blame him. I think once you, once you start having slight digs at your teammates at the other end of the pitch as well, mm. it's kind of... A, Kind of an indication that your head's gone a bit. Yeah, and that, that's I've I ran into a couple of players on the weekend and heard the same thing. So it's a pretty general frustration throughout this quarter. I think I would have said Nizzy as well up there, but fortunately the club's got that done. <laughs> so he's here. Yep. yep. Um, is Ruan on for next year? I don't know, but I, I would hope I'd that we content. do keep him. I'd be content. For I'd, him yeah. I'd definitely. I'd definitely. And I mean, he's still pretty young. Yeah, I mean. Really quick off the top of my head, Ziggy Ruan. Um, he's twenty three. So that's it. That's it. Ziggy and Ruan at this stage. You don't. You don't. Um, you don't look at. You don't look at Kim. You don't look at uh, Milan. No, not at the moment. Well, not at the moment. On, it, on, on current form, on on round one and two form. Yes, yeah, probably. But um, yeah. what about how we were? Like we were obviously Milan started the season so well, and now we're in this position where we're sort of saying, you know, we don't mind if he leaves because mm. obvi- apparently he's got a pretty bad injury. That if he can sort out his hernia and get yeah. back to how he was in the first sort of five or six rounds, mm. I'd be relatively happy to keep him. But yep. we're just we're not in a position to keep stragglers and maybe good enoughs. We we have to we have to go for broke. So Ruan is on a two-year deal, so he's already staying here next season. Ah, good cool. times, good times. So Jack Davison, who's posted a picture of his young lad with Matty Ryan, just for a bit of context to this one. So many players have come through the team and I'm waiting for the next batch. Have you guys seen any promising youngsters coming through? Are we now down the pecking order with clubs in the Sydney area picking the cream of young talent? Our history of producing talent that goes on to big things, along with the fact that they are more likely to have a greater opportunity to break into first team breaking the first-team football, must still be something that the club pushed to youth players. Are we doing enough in this respect? Well, I think he's touched on it there. Our sort of play, young players that have gone on to success were Western Sydney products before the Wanderers had come in. Juki, Abini, a couple others, Matty Ryan. So I think that pipeline is sort of gone because now the Wanderers are pretty firmly established and that will probably be the club of choice for a lot of Western Sydney kids. But we're still getting kids from Western Sydney. You yeah. Look at, you know, Sam Silvera's come up the freeway. Yep. There are a number of 
good young talents in that youth team that um, well, I mean Lewis Miller, know that they can know Lewis that they Miller's can broken through know that they can work their way into the first team and that's evidenced by the the trust that you Stadge has put in the youth team already this season we've touched on um, as you say Josh Lewis Miller Josh Nisbet Gianni Stensness they're all scholarship or ex-scholarship players mm. um, Alo Kowal's just earned himself a scholarship and has earned minutes this season um, we've given a pathway to players like Lockie Wales and Trent Bahaja we are 100% down the pecking order now with what I mean yeah four or five years or no before the Wanderers we were the club of choice the club along with Sydney and you know mm. we we got the uh, outcasts might be a slightly harsh way to put it but we used to get those from Sydney and they'll come here and still be very good. And that, But now you've got Sydney and the Wanderers to try and compete with, and we get the outcasts from both. And you're going to have a MacArthur coming in next season and as Macar- well. That yeah. 100% is... So you've got three clubs in Sydney uh, basically to pick from, and they will go from Sydney, didn't get picked. They'll go to the Wanderers, didn't get picked. They'll go to MacArthur, yes, I got in. And then you'll get one that won't get picked and then go, you know what, I'll go up to the coast and I'll go and try there. And we're 100% down the pecking order, and we... I we have not produced a player of the calibre of your Ryans, your Abinis, your Dukes, Sainsbury. your Sainsburys. We have not produced one of those for four or five years. No, of, of course not. But conversely to, to your point, I think that while we might be down the pecking order in terms of location and, and, and all that, we've still proven that we're willing to put trust in youth. And, it's, and it's that's why players are still going to come up here. Yeah, it's the, we have to 100% sell that as you will come here and not just play in the NPL. Mm. You will come here and play in the NPL mm. and you will also come here and you will train with the first team. We can house you in the apartment or whatever it is that's out there at Long Jetty or the entrance that we've got and you will get a you'll get first team exposure. Yep. I think I think the the best player we've produced out of the academy in recent years is Nisbet. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, as in ones that we've produced and held on to, uh, signed on the signed into the first team. Cheers, he's, Benny Khan. He's yeah, thanks, Benny. He's a hundred percent the best in terms of his ability, um, what he can produce. He's, he's different he's, gravy, that kid. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent the best. Of, by far the most consistent when you look at across mm. the Stensness, mm-hmm. the Millers, and everything. Mm-hmm. Nisbet seems to be at that 90 percent every week. Yep. But we are still we are still developing the old good player Stensness that you just touched on as mm. well. Lewis Miller was one that we really sold the the whole progression um, pathway to, um, and you know our, our links with clubs overseas like like your Sheffields and stuff. Mm. That is what is alluring to certain young players as well, um, and that is what has got certain young players to sign on the dotted line to renew their contracts. So, yeah, I think we're not out of the race there. No. We're still definitely out of the races. And then so. there's that pathway, obviously, with Anton, with those two, was it Jevtic exactly. going over to Malta? Yeah, yeah, and Jova as oh, well. Oh, so Serbia? Serbia, okay. that's right. Yeah, so Jevtic and Jova um, went over to Serbia, and, and I think they're expected back for the rest of the, um, not NYL, MPL seasons. So Matt Williams asks, when are you all going to protest games to show Charlesworth how we really feel? Mate, I'm uh, not sure if you're aware, but uh, we're all doing a protest. None of us are going to the rest of the home games this yeah, season. Agree. Um, so that's uh, that's how we're actioning that one there. Corona with the assist there. <laughs> <laughs> now, Jeff Fletcher has an interesting one here. Um, surely playing behind closed doors means Charlesworth loses more money based on the cost of ground hire. Should we not play out of bloom? Uh, bloom? Plume? <laughs> 
should we not play out of Plume Park, the Centre of Excellence, or Baker Park, etc., to reduce ground hire costs? Um, now, at, at first glance, I thought, yeah, this is pretty valid, actually. Um, maybe that's something that we should look at. But then, Luke, you pointed out a very, very obvious and um, valid point. Yeah, well, I mean, Fox Sports basically own the league. <laughs> <laughs> so the broadcast, yeah. Essentially. So Plume would not be fit for broadcast. They pretty much if, mandate everything. Yeah. I mean, if they were going to, which they would obviously never do, if they were still going to play the games and not broadcast them, we mm. we potentially could. Um, but Plume would, I don't know if it would not be up to lighting standards it's not, or not. No, it's not up to Lux, Lux lighting standards. So just Plume, not on. Plume isn't, COE definitely isn't. Um, and Baker Park isn't either. Um, hey. <laughs> That's a dig at my home ground there. <laughs> I wasn't having to dig. I'm just <laughs> explaining things as they are. Yeah, unfortunately, in this case, the only option is to play out of the empty stadium in Gosford. So that's uh, that's that. So Big Al on the forum. How about some positivity? I love this. And this might actually go to my comment of the week. Which current player would you back to go against Matt Simon for a toilet paper fight at Woolworths? Um, and that's not like a throwing toilet paper at each other. That's like punching on to try and get the last roll <laughs> of toilet paper. I reckon Milan would have a good aggressive streak if you pissed him off. Maybe Miller for a smoky. What about the lightweight division? Surely Nizzy's experience at Woolworths gets him an advantage. <laughs> Silvera looks the meanest, but I'm not sure who to back from the little fellas. Alrighty, so first, first things what first. What a visual. Who goes up in the, uh, the main event against the Matt Simon? In the heavyweight bout. Um, I'm definitely on board with the pissed off <coughs> Milan with the uh, Serbian DNA. Oofed. My um, all reports a nice guy most of the time, but yeah, if, I think if you've got his bad side, especially when it comes to toilet paper, uh, he would not be happy. Just tell um, him Matt Simon's Croatian and he'll be oh. on. <laughs> How dare you? Uh, I think, uh, yeah, I think either Milan or Ziggy. I'm going to have Ziggy in there as the <laughs> Ooh, angry ranger. the fiery ranger Scott. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. The okay. angry Scott. I was about to try and do a Scottish accent, uh, uh, but yeah, I won't don't. do it. Yeah. <laughs> I think, uh, no, I think Milan. Yeah, there's a very good shout for Milan there. Um, what what sort of, are we, are we talking MMA or are we just talking straight up boxing, Benahul boxing, you know? What are we I thinking? Th- uh, yeah, definitely. Just probably, a dirty street fight? Yeah, it's dirty street fight. I think more importantly, is it three-ply, is it two-ply? Uh, I think it's at this stage, I don't, I don't think at this stage anyone cares. They just want toilet paper. Is it Quilton? Is it Sorbin? Sorbin. Uh, it's got to be three ply Quilton, surely. Yeah. And okay. So Miller definitely Milan have to scrunch. Matt Simon. Definitely um, have to scrunch too. Oh, by the way. oh god! Don't start that. Who wins that though? Milan v Matt Simon. That's huge. I, I would honestly say that's a draw. It's tight. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, Matt Simon for the height because you can reach over, grab the toilet paper, and then probably walk off with it off with it without <laughs> Milan being able to reach. So I'll go Matty Simon for that one. All right. What about in the uh, the flyweight division? Uh, we've got uh, Nizzy is the first one named there uh, against Silvera. Maybe. Yeah. Nizzy against Silvera. Mm. I got to go with Nizzy. Nizzy's pretty agile. I'm sure he could probably sidestep Silvera. <laughs> Yep, yep. I'd, I'd back him in for that, actually. Yeah. Grab one off the bottom shelf and then quickly sprint off. I think, yeah, Nizzy. Can someone get on to, um, on to Dana White and get this sorted out, actually? <laughs> Please. <laughs> we really are going to be Coast Football Rumble. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, Radar on Twitter asks an interesting one. So, in terms of membership refunds, obviously, we're not getting to see the rest of the season in person. Um do you let your club use the money to buffer the massive losses they're about to incur during the great coronavirus shutout? 
and thereby going some small way to ensure their existence in an otherwise perilous sporting landscape? Or two, do you chuck a gibbo? <laughs> now, just for those who are, I guess, somewhat uninitiated um, in, in this sense, uh, gibbo has asked for a refund uh, of his membership. Um, now, personally, I'm, I'm a little bit against that. Um, I think that, A, it's pennies on the dollar, um, you know, it's 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 chump change at the end of the day, and B, we need to sort of be backing the club a little bit more here, um, have a bit of respect, you know. Yeah, There's I mean, bigger you know, things to worry about. Uh, but no, I do not want a refund, and I think it was very cool to see uh, on the Facebook last night. The response from a lot of people was essentially the same as that they don't want the refunds. Um, and yeah, I think we this is this is a you know fingers crossed it's a one in probably a hundred year event mm. um i think the least we can do at the moment is back the club uh through it uh to hopefully come out the other side paul hunt's got uh another interesting one via twitter was it a better performance by the team versus raw or do we just match up with fowler's dull style of football okay i now, hope fowler doesn't listen to this robbie here you yes. say that do you mean brexit ball brexit ball <laughs> brexit ball <laughs> Robbie was very unhappy with a Brisbane fan's um, assessment of his tactics on Twitter on this Saturday, which was not a very good look at all. That's an entirely, yeah, that's that's opening a can of worms there. Um, I think I said over the last couple of weeks that I maybe was a little bit too harsh, and and Kale actually mentioned it last week too, maybe a little bit too harsh on Fowler's style of football, um, that he doesn't necessarily play the, you know, Brexit ball brand of football that so many people have sort of labelled him with. I think it was definitely by far a better performance by the team. And I think, as Luke said before, Stad just sort of got the, the tactics not spot on, but a lot closer to what is, I guess, right. Um, the back line was a lot more settled and um, everyone looked a little bit more content in their place. I think Brisbane of I think Luke was probably a bit of a Nostradamus here, but he said it, well, maybe six, eight weeks ago, that Brisbane are starting to play better. And I think the last probably two or three weeks they played some decent stuff. I think last was it against the Wanderers. I thought they were really good. So yeah, I, I, maybe Brisbane are sort of adjusting to his style of play is maybe what it is. It always takes time for a new yeah. coach to bet in. You saw it with Gombau at Adelaide when he had success there. It took quite a while actually for everything to, to click. But when it did, it worked well. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think if, if you went back and watched their first probably five games of the seasons, if you just based that off purely performance – they actually probably weren't that bad. And then things just started to click and then they started to get the results. Mm. And that's what we've sort of seen lately. And, I mean, they 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 probably base Like, they've like like you said, just in their first 45 against the Wanderers last week was probably some of the best football they've played all season. They yeah. probably didn't get to that level against us. Um, so I think that's probably full credit to our boys. Yeah, we we stopped them playing the way that they did against the Wanderers. I think yeah. um, we set we set up our our stall um, and made our intentions known very early in the game. But yeah, we we stifled any sort of creativity or attacking threat that they had mm. um, for the most part. So yeah, no f- full credit to the boys. If I can use that cliche, I can use that cliche. <laughs> I just did use that cliche. Alrighty, uh, time for one last one as well. AJ off Twitter. In your opinions, with our current squad, what is our best eleven? For me, I would choose Simon or Harold before Murray. That's okay, AJ. Everyone can be wrong. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, I can't fault Muzz for his desire to get involved and everything that he does in in the lead-up to the final product. 
Lad's obviously struggling for goals, and you know I've spoken about it ad nauseum with with you guys here on the pod, you know, off mic, um, and anyone else that wants to talk about our goal scoring woes. He does everything else right. Mm. It's just yeah. that clinical edge in front of goal. And if you put him up front yeah. with a with a Toivonen or a Lafondra, he Agreed. gets you ten goals a season. A hundred percent. He is a perfect, you know, second striker to be playing playing off someone like that. Yeah. And he stands out more because if you look at Victory, for example, they, they're not playing this sort of exact same formation, but you've got someone like Elvis Kemsober there who's sort of in the same boat as Murray, come up from the MPL, mm. young. Um, you know, Murray's probably not as skilled as Elvis, but in terms of what Murray's number one job is, mm. if we had a toy even in there, Murray doesn't stand out as much. Mm. But because of the position that we're in, Murray stands out like a sore thumb. Yeah, But I would still... I'd still be starting Murray, mm. um, and you know, everyone's going to hate me for this, but I would probably start Jair with Murray up top. I would like to see that for a few games in a row, because at the expense of Harold. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't like Harold up the top. I don't like it. You I'm, need, you need to tell Jair to stay centrally though, because he has yeah, this. He just he drifted wide. Always drifts wide. There, there needs to be a rejig in the formation in that front. Two or three. I don't know if that's a formation issue or if it's just Jaya's tendency to, to drift wide. Probably. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I can't... Based off performances this season, I would not start Matty Simon up the top with Murray because I think we've tried it a couple of times and... Hasn't worked. Matty Simon's more interested in bashing people around and mm. all that sort of stuff rather than helping Murray. You know, I don't know. He seems to win every single defensive header. Matty Simon, yeah, and then struggles to get a bloody fl- struggles to get a flick on for whoever he's up there with, and that's what's incredibly frustrating. So we need to adjust how we play up mm. the top, and if that means having Murray up the top with Jair, use the speed of Jair. He can score. Jair <laughs> score goal. All right, he scored a quality goal last week. You know, of his own, mostly mostly of his own doing. But I think if we just adjusted a few things up the top with our structure and how we played, it would work slightly better than having Murray uh, and Harold. Is that sort of top. ironic of us to say because we've sort of criticised Studge for changing things every week? Yeah, of course. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. But I feel like he's close. I feel like he's close to getting it right, Studge. Yeah, definitely the closest we've been in, in the last eight weeks on yeah, the weekend. So, for sure. Um, personally, I, I'm going to disagree. Um, Because I have the right to do so You're you're allowed to be wrong as well Just like AJ (laughs) Um, I don't hate the the Muzzin-Harold combo I like what Harold um, brings even at nine Just his positivity How direct he plays Direct, Um, that's the word And the absolute pace of the bloke as well Mm. Mm. I can buy into that I can 100% buy into that So that's, um, that's, that's my preferred top two If we're going with the top two I would, it might be recency bias But I think our best 11 was probably the 11 that started against Brisbane, I think, in my opinion. So that's disagreeing with Luke with the Jair sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. I don't know. I just haven't been impressed by Jair. He just drifts in and out of games way too much. He doesn't influence the game as much as anyone would like, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. So I'm happy with Muzz and Harold to be up top. Um, how that works, I'm not sure. I think it worked okay against Brisbane. Maybe the rest of the season we'll see if that, Stays as the eleven, but 
I'm not sure if Stadge is thinking about changing it. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. Well, Do I think, again, part of the problem is that he's changed it every week. You don't have any time for any sort of striker pairing to gel. Yeah, So yeah, 100%. If, you, if you stick with it, and whether it is Mazen Jair or whether it is Mazen Harold or whether it's Simo and Harold or, or whatever it might be, you've got to stick with it for some time to give it some time to actually bet in. Do you feel like, this is just very thinking off the top of my head, but do you feel like Muzz or Harold, either one of them, could play sort of a false 90 type role? I don't hate the idea of Muzz, Muzz playing as a false nine. I don't like hate because he's always dropping deep to get himself involved in the play anyway. Yeah, like a McBreen. The, the, yeah. The, the thing that McBreen has over Murray is that McBreen was very good at holding up the ball. Mm. Murray seems to struggle with that at the moment. You, you go back and you look at Muzz's videos from RPR. And the bloke was an out-and-out nine. Mm. He would finish anything that came his way, mm. you know. He's going out finishing other people's breakfasts, you know. It's so absolute rude. proper, proper striker. Why that hasn't translated to his form this season, I don't know. Is it too much pressure on his shoulders or, or the yips or, or what is it? But, yeah, maybe as a, as a false nine, you know, it still gives him that chance to, to be involved in the game. As, as he is now without necessarily having that same sort of pressure to deliver the end product. I'm just thinking out loud. Thinking out loud, <laughs> yeah. Someone else said the same thing to me the other week. They said, would he be better as a 10, even? Um, yeah, I don't know. Well, that puts the silver out, doesn't it? If he goes <laughs> to 10. Yeah. I know. I think it's... Sorry. I think we're <laughs> no, going to finish yeah, off. Yeah. I think sometimes I see criticism of Murray that I think is a little unfair, but then on the other hand, I think it's probably fair... Because he's got the number nine on his back and he's scored, what, three goals this season? Two. Two goals in 20 games for our I number think, nine. Yeah. And he just knows not, that too. He, he knows. I'm not saying anything he doesn't know. He yeah. knows. Mm. that He knows that he wants – he obviously is a striker. He wants to score goals. That's his job. Mm. And unfortunately, he just hasn't translated his NPL form to the A-League. Mm. But he's got another year. And what I was going to say is we're going to – I'm looking ahead to next season again. The number nine, we said it the last, what, three seasons. A number nine of international pedigree is just so overdue at this club. A Toven and a Laflandre, someone to come in and, like we just touched on, play with Muzz up top, I think would work really, really well. But obviously with the finances, that hasn't happened. And all we can hope for is that next season. Change. Something, please. For the love of God. <laughs> something. Give us something. Now, I was going to ask this question from Arsenal Mariner, but you're an Arsenal fan, so see you later. Um, no. Mutes how's Mike straight away. <laughs> Arsenal Mariner asks, can we as Mariner fans still support the club? Yes. That's fair. That's, uh, no. Do you think winning two to three games per season is fair on the supporters, and do you think the club should be making more income off selling academy kids? Um, no, I don't think winning two to three games per season is fair on the supporters. No, never. Um, as, as, as Sean said, you know, in his interview, we're at a, we're a big fork in the road at the moment. Um, so, obviously, greater investment um, leads to greater results and greater performances. Um, but you know, it's it's all it's all very intertwined as well. You're not going to get investment without support um, from those of us outside the club. So we still need to be behind the club as much as we can. That's the big thing that I got from Sean to take away from that interview is the whole looking for investors and how is that going to sort of come about and how is that going to sort of pan out over the next sort of six to 12 months? 
His interesting times at the club. Look, congratulations to Big Al for winning the comment of the week. Um, if I ever find out who you are, I'll give you a free bog roll, uh, courtesy of whogivesacrap.org. Perfect. Or the, or, or the Centre of Excellence, whichever one we can get. <laughs> Finally, just a quick update on the A-League tipping competition. It is, oh, I say this every week, it's situation normal at the top of the ladder. It's uh, Kale Morrow. Oh, surprise. Um, surprise, surprise. <laughs> Followed by his old man, Steve. Um, in one and two, respectively. Kale, I actually out-tipped you this week. Um, our tipping experts, Kale, only got two correct, whereas I got three, so that <laughs> makes me now the resident tipping expert um, sitting in 30th place on the ladder. <laughs> um, please stop the Herta, still in at third place. Aaron Mariner, um, good luck in your semi-final tonight, is in fourth place. And Jair's right foot rounding out the top five there. <laughs> I think uh, the rest of us pod boys are somewhat struggling. Uh, we're down the bottom somewhere. I'm, I'm absolutely not. I think I'm 24th or 25th or something like that. Josh, I don't see you anywhere. Sorry, bud. Jay Howe. Oh, sorry, mate. I don't see you anywhere. <laughs> 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 Definitely not above me. Uh, yeah. um, coming to get you, though. Um, cool. Yeah, Boise uh, off the page. Fred and Jimmy, both in about 30th and 40th. Yeah. Ah, cool. Good time. Boise isn't even on the first page. Shut it down. <laughs> well, the league might just shut it down and save you a wooden spoon, buddy. So he's, uh, he's crossing his fingers over here, his boys. I can hope. Uh, gents, it's been, a, uh, it's been a big one today. Yeah. We've been here for like two and a half hours, so it might be a long one tonight. It's probably, probably like yeah. three hours or four hours or something. Yeah, <laughs> I've, been been here, I've been here three hours. Three um, hours, yeah. yeah. Uh, mm. it's, a good, it's a good pod. Might be our longest pod ever. Yeah, well, hopefully the, the punters get something out of it. Mm. Um, yeah, good chat with Sean. I just want to say thanks to Sean again for coming on and yeah. uh, yep. being so open and honest. Yeah, to be honest, time. when I flicked him a message about three hours before we started recording, I was more than happy for him to just come on and speak about the last week. But uh, he was he was... More than happy to um, speak about you know the club and sort of other things and which uh, everyone will hear or would have heard whichever way Pete decides to edit this. <laughs> yeah, I'm um, going to have the outro at the start of the pod. Yeah, yeah cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, just thanks to um, thanks to him for doing that and he's always been very open and uh, honest with us and um, yeah, I mean hopefully hopefully people uh, heed. His words and um, must listen for every fan. I think. Yeah, and that hopefully, interview. hopefully we can get some action happening one way or another. One way or another. There's not many CEOs in the league that you're going to get that level of openness and transparency from. 100%. So, yeah, yeah. Big shout out to um to Sean. He was um, here for an hour. Anyone, anyone that sort of knocks him, wind your neck in. <laughs> it's um, oh, it's been a good one. Love you guys. Love spending time with you. What well on Pete? Final thoughts. Great stuff. Really growing into the host role, Peter Pryor. Shout out to him. Uh, final thoughts. Don't get the Rona. Don't get the Rona. <laughs> stay safe. Stay healthy. Wash what? your hands. Wash stay your away hands. from Rona. Rock, wash your hands for 20 seconds. Stay away from Pete. <laughs> I don't have the Rona. I'm healthy now. All right. That's it from us. See you later. Love you. See ya. Boy. Get up. Come on. Get down with the sickness. Get up. Come on. Get down with the sickness. Get up, come on, get down with the sickness Open up your head and let it flow into me Get up, come on, get down with the sickness
sickness You mother get up, come on get down with the sickness You fucker get up, come on get down with the sickness These will be some good, um, some good outtakes. <laughs> <laughs>